This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Fennell. This is a Rosawa Voice, uh, the podcast where we where we read and uh, discuss the works of Naoki Urasawa, beginning with Monster, and we're gonna be we're gonna be in Monster for a little while. Um, so right now it's basically just the Monster Podcast. It's the Monster Pod. Quinn and I did some napkin math uh, between the first recording and the second one, and. Um... Yeah, it's uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be doing this a little bit longer than I thought. And what I just kind of yeah. offhandedly was like, yeah, cool, yeah, we'll read all of Naoki Urasawa. We can do it, and we <laughs> are gonna do it. I'm excited about I it think, because I think we're actually gonna do it. Yeah, this I I'm just gonna say up front, I I really enjoyed um the reading for this section. It's so good. It's so much better than the first one. Yeah, like it knocks the first one out of the park, and that's crazy because the first one's pretty good. Yeah, and the first one's all right, but like you can see how like. As someone who's read this this manga a lot, like starting from scratch is always an exhausting prospect to me. Like I never ever want to read the beginning of this manga ever again. I hate doing it, um, mm. but I love everything else. Yeah, I I will say, um, you know, because the the volumes that we've got are the are the perfect editions. Which actually, this is yeah. you know, this is an audio podcast, so this isn't gonna play. But I'm gonna hold up on camera. What came in the mail today? Hachimachi. This is uh, that's the all, good stuff. All nine volumes of uh, Monster yeah. wrapped up in a big plastic thing. Uh, it feels like in the Victorian times when people would buy uh, uh, lengths of books to stock their shelf. Um, <laughs> this is a lot of yeah. Manga. By the meter, books by the by the fucking yard. Um, yeah. So, um, oh, but what I was saying was the the editions we're reading from combined the first and second uh, Takabon volumes. Uh, so it it was really, really, really almost kind of like a tease ending that first volume because you can immediately see on the next page, right? It it feels like oh, it feels like this is where it's starting. Like you can just even see in those first couple yeah. panels, like this yeah. is where we're kicking into gear. It's happening. Totally. So. Um, I really. I mentioned it before last episode, but I love I love Urasawa's sense of a cliffhanger. I love how he knows like where to be like, oh, here's where we're ending this, you know, get hyped for the next thing. Um, and this is also, this is actually something that he explicitly thinks about a lot. I read an interview where, uh, <laughs> I love that I'm already into the interviews. Um, there's an interview where he's talking, I, I think he's uh, actually having a conversation with another mangaka, or maybe he's talking about another conversation he had with someone, but... Uh, he was talking about how uh, there was a movie, I don't remember if it was The Great Escape or a different prison escape movie, but he was talking about how in Japan as a kid, um, they did something which he refers to as completely unthinkable in the modern day, which is they aired half of the movie and then they waited until next week to air the other half. Um, and he talks about that. He talks about how how much he really enjoyed 
uh, having to wait, how much room he had to imagine what might happen next, and, and how much he considers that imagination of, of what happens next as you're waiting to be an important part of, of experiencing uh, the media. And so he feels strongly that way about, about manga. He loves the, the monthly or weekly structure of manga because it enables that, uh, that imagination. Um, you know, and he was like, it's not like, it's not like I don't binge shows too, but, uh, cause he does, but he, he really values this, this episodic nature of storytelling. And I think that that comes through a lot in how he's structuring his stories. Absolutely. Um, I think that's really interesting. So I am, um, I'm going to be talking about Stephen King a lot, um, in this. Oh, there's episode, stuff to talk about regarding yeah. Stephen King. There's a lot. There's a, I, there's a big one, actually. I think we might have the same big one. I'm oh, not I'm sure, sure we have the same big, I'm, I am a hundred percent sure yeah. that we have the same big one. Uh, go on though. But, um, no, so I, I recently read, um, I read Misery this summer, um, which, uh, because so, uh, one of our favorite podcasts, Just King Things, uh, from Range Touch, they read through the works of Stephen King in publication order. Um, and we and are shamelessly this, ripping them we're off. We're ripping them off. They have they developed this really good method of kind of understanding all of Stephen King through like a materialist uh, historical view. Just kind of by building up, you know, the moves that he does, kind of when he calls back, things that he've done, he's done before, things that he's changing, things that he's improving on. Um, but they, they read Misery this summer, and there's a sequence in Misery uh, where one character talks to another about growing up going to see uh, uh, film serials in the theater with her brother. And the, the same thing comes up about how most of the fun of it was um, at the end, when you're left with that cliffhanger, you spend the whole next week trying to figure out what's going to happen, imagining what's going to happen. Um, and, and in that story that's told, kind of the almost like the dark side effect uh, i don't know something comes up where um the way that people can feel when you know you feel like you were cheated out of a cliffhanger or you don't like the conclusion and kind of the you know because you're left with all that space where you're supposed to think about it and invest in it how a lot of times uh i think fans will feel ripped off or angry if they don't like what happens next um, like I know the the toxic fan example to go to in the modern day is always you know Star Wars, right? You know the the, the stuff that happened with that new trilogy. Um, but I do think it's interesting, kind of the the immediate buy in that serialization can create, and kind of the like weak points or not weak points, just kind of like the big. I I almost think of like Star Fox, like the big glowing red flashing dots, where it's like if you get here, you're gonna if you get hit here, you're gonna die. Like how that sure, just sure, puts sure. those on a story and on a creator sometimes. Um, if you if you don't do, you know, if you're if you're not, I wouldn't even say if you're not careful with those cliffhangers. It's just you know if people don't like if those cliffhangers aren't well received. So yeah, I, I think it's really it's interesting. That's a really cool point. Um, yeah. That's a really cool point. It is. It is because it is very much like uh like you're painting. You're you're setting up the target. And you're setting up the target, and you're going to the audience. And you're going, check me out. In one week, I'm gonna hit that shit so good. Yep. And 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 so everybody gathers around and they cross their arms and like, okay, all right, so hit it. You know, and then <laughs> and then you've got to hit it. And then at some point it becomes, well, he's hit it seven times in a row. Now I'm yeah. waiting to see if he misses. He's got to miss yeah. eventually. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. So I don't know what any of this means or why it's important, but I do think it is. <laughs> it think, is fun to talk. I about. I think it is. I think it yeah. is important. I think it's important because it's something that. So like I've been thinking about kind of our niche, right? What do we? What do we as people or as as uh, media analysts? You know, what mm-hmm. what do we have our fingers around, right? What what do we grasp that that we can bring to the table and. I think a lot of it's going to end up being sequential art. I think that is that is what we can grasp um, uh, with with some degree of of knowledge. Okay. So I I think that this conversation is interesting because because this is very much like this is this is the micro and macro, the alpha yeah, and omega. Out. Yeah. Exactly right, because because like sequential art, the stuff about waiting, anticipation, that is not only at the it doesn't only exist at the level of publication you know it's not just a chapter or an issue every month you know this is also true of american comics right it's it's monthly um or or bi-weekly in, in some cases you know and that's an important part of american comics publishing the same as it is in japanese comics publishing um but then you zoom into the micro scale and then you have a single panel and then a gutter between that panel and the next and that gutter does the same goddamn thing as as waiting a week for a new chapter. It's the same thing on the micro scale. So us talking about what makes, you know, what creates anticipation, how that is how that is built up and paid off or not, that's really foundational to kind of what we're doing here. Oh, that's exciting. This is good. Okay, I'm I'm Isn't glad it? we're doing this together. You know, I yeah. I set them up, you knock them down. Exactly. Exactly. Um Let's do we want to summarize uh, what's uh, what's going on here? Do you have a summary prepped up? Yeah, yeah. So I have I wrote summaries for every because um, I know last time you you wrote summaries for each chapter and, and we kind of bounced back and yeah, forth between them. So I've, I think I've got I did the, the short summaries. I think I did the short summaries off the dome, actually. OK. Uh, all right. So I, I can just do a quick summary. So um, in these in this second volume of Monster, we're introduced to Nina Fortner. Um, who is well? I guess we're we're reintroduced to Nina Fortner, who is Johan's twin yeah. sister, who disappeared at the same time as Johan. Um, she is realizing, uh, she is coming to realize that Johan is still out there. As Doctor Tenma is is traveling across Germany, trying to kind of piece together history of what happened after he saved Johan. Um, their paths cross as Johan uh, re reveals himself to Nina. Uh, murders her foster parents uh, and kind of sets up this series of events that frame Dr. Tenma as being involved. Tenma and Nina escape. She escapes from him again. uh, And Tenma goes back to work at the hospital for a while and then realizes that what he actually has to do is hunt down and kill this monster that he uh, saved years and years ago so that's kind of the, the big picture of, of what happens in these chapters yeah and you can already see like just from that summary how as matt said the engine is kicking in mm-hmm. right like compare how like what actually happens in the first volume to how many things actually happen in this volume it's like three or four times as many maybe more um yeah do we have any overall do we have any overall thoughts on this volume before we launch into chapter by chapter stuff? 
I, I do think the pacing in the kind of middle section of this is a little funky. Um, and it, uh, specifically, like 10, 11, and 12, the timescale compresses in a way where, like, or, I, yeah. or I, maybe not compressed, it, it expands in a way where a lot of stuff, or not a lot of stuff, happens very slowly. Um, and it's, to me, it, it, I go back and forth between whether or not I find that tiresome or like really good. Um, and kind of the takeaway that I have is like, okay, it feels like this is the crime thriller mystery fiction version of every issue is someone's first issue, right? Where this is like, if you've never read a story like this before, this is a very good intro to the way that these kind of things work. I want to get more into that kind of once we're on those chapters proper, because okay. the pacing sort of interacts with other stuff that's going on in a way that I think is best served kind of in, in context. Yeah, there. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, do I have any overall thoughts on this volume? Um, I think this volume is a much better representation of Urasawa's storytelling, um, like, formally, structurally, than Volume 1. Volume 1 is very is very focused, but this Volume 2 here, we're introduced to what I would say is, is much more of his natural mode, which is kind of more free-flowing, and he takes you over here, and he takes you over there, um, and that's really like, that's like Urasawa, that's an Urasawa move, and we okay. actually, I think we can transition into chapter by chapter here, because this this volume begins with one of Urasawa's favorite moves. Okay, and what I'm I'm curious about that. What 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 you would say that favorite move that begins it is? Urasawa's favorite move is hard cutting us to characters and a storyline we have no relationship with. Okay, it is it is cutting us to something where like or we have a relationship with it. We always do, but we don't know what we just it don't is know what yet. it is. Okay, we don't know what it is, and so he drops us in, and and we are. Like, totally mystified. Like, who is this person? Why are we here? What does this have to do with literally anything? And that, that like, this weird, this weird mystery of, that, that kind of feels rude, almost, in a way. That's you know, a good way this, to put like, it. This, like, deep-end mystery where, no, where Urasawa is just like, fuck you, you'll find out when I want you to find out. <laughs> you know, and we just have to like keep the faith. Um, but it's but you know it's always interesting. But I could also see this this move as being something that maybe turns somebody off from Urasawa. Me, it's it's one of my favorite things about him. Um, and as we kind of get more familiar with this move, I, I think maybe it's an acquired taste. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's how we that's how we start off. Do we want to summarize chapter nine? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'll read this because I'm 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 happy with the sentence that I wrote here. Chapter nine. Nina Fortner is the most Sailor Moon manga girl imaginable. She's a brilliant law student who is also an Aikido wizard. All the boys are in love with her. She's a quirky girl in therapy. She has a weird mental block about her childhood, and her parents love her but are keeping a secret. And then she starts getting some really, really, really creepy emails that she is incapable of seeing as anything other than (laughs) Oh, man. Yep. Um, yep, that's uh, that's good. about the size of it. It's good. It's a good chapter. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's just like you immediately are like, oh, I have. Well, maybe this is me, but I feel like this chapter is designed to be like, oh, I have a crush on her immediately. Oh, yeah, no, no, easy, easy, absolutely. Yeah, you know, very much. 
very much like not even a Genki girl, just like just like just upbeat and having a nice time. She's so you know? sweet to everyone. She has like fun banter with her therapist, you know, like she's in Aikido and just is like flipping dudes over. She's she's so kick ass at Aikido that her Aikido teacher is like she's like, hey, hey, sensei, you want to spar? And he's like. No, and then he thinks to himself, and then he thinks to himself, she could probably beat me. Which is super, which is super funny. Um, uh, speaking of, speaking of, uh, Aikido, uh, do we want to, do we want to take a second to talk about, uh, the extremely Japanese man who cheat, who teaches it? It's a little uncomfortable. Um, you mentioned this last time that he borders on, like racist propaganda a little bit in yes. some of these drawings and this man made me uncomfortable <laughs> um hang on i'm flipping through a specific picture of him yeah i mean he looks like woody allen pretending to be an asian person it's wow is that ever the way to put it it's uncomfortable uh um, yeah like i said he's got he's got the glasses he's got the eyes he's the got teeth. the buck teeth mm-hmm. but i think it's like a it's a shorthand right of you know you immediately know kind of it's 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 a big broad stroke kind of stock character movie type thing, and I think it it's um I don't know I don't think the character does anything where you're supposed to laugh at them and think that they're weird. It's just kind of no. it's the way that they're drawn. Yeah. Well, that's like that's the thing is that um like this is what I was talking about when when I said that Urasawa was really interested in how to depict uh characters of, of various races and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um. And, like, and I also think it's important to, to like, name a couple of Urasawa's, like, inspirations artistically, because I think we mentioned last episode that Urasawa uh, uh, names uh, Erge, is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, um, Tintin. Yeah, he names, he names Tintin, and I think you can see that influence super strongly here um, in, in terms of, like, that caricaturist bent. Um, you know, Urasawa is also really into, uh, classic comics, um, like old war era stuff. Um, we'll be seeing a lot of that in Billy Bat when we do that in five fucking years. Um, you know, so I think, I think this is just something that interests Urasawa. And as a, as an artist who puts as much focus onto the face as he does, I think, I think that this is just something that he finds pleasure in is being like how do i how do i depict this person to really fucking read as being from where they're from mm-hmm. um and and you're totally right there's not like there isn't a the weird part about it is that it's this caricature that reads to us very much as like this is what a racist thinks a japanese person looks like mm-hmm. um and then it's in no way paired with some kind of uh judgment or or stereotype about uh, about Japanese people, like he's not being self-hating here. I don't think. Um, no, like he's not written with, and maybe this is the translation, but you know, it's not like he's written with like an accent or anything like that. It's just, it's just this dude is talking like a normal person. He just looks like, you know, Tenma's never mentioned to have an accent in German either. No, they never, they never say, "Do you have an accent?" They always everyone say, always seems surprised from? that he's Japanese. Is like the exactly. other thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's it's pretty. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. I'm really excited to see kind of as we read more Urasawa, I want to like what his conversation with race is like. Uh, there's, cause, cause it exists. It's an important part of, of Urasawa's uh, imaginary. 
um, to to steal a phrase that I don't fully understand from from uh, the Rage Touch boys. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, if we just we'll, keep I'm saying sure. it, it'll make sense. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, also, I just noticed something really interesting as I was flipping through. So check this out. Um, so chapter nine, right? We're introduced like we've got this this uh, history class or this law class. We get this very anime ass opening oh, with Nina yeah. coming to school late, like she's getting there late, and then the professor is like, "Can you tell me about this case?" And then as she's like breathless, uh, she you know gives a perfect summary of the case, and then he's like, "Yes, that is correct," and he's like very pleased, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next page is a is our first full shot of her, and in the bottom right it says chapter two. Yeah, what's Young up with this? This confused this means, me. It is confusing. This is chapter two of the story. Okay. This is like when a book has book two in I something. I love, love it when a book does that, honestly. And this is, I, I don't think I can ever fucking remember a manga actually naming that. Because it's technically a bit like, like an arc numbering, but it's not an arc, it is a chapter. This is, again, what I mean when I say that Urasawa is a literary guy. Okay. Like, he writes his manga like a novel. This is a novelistic move here mm-hmm. That's that's just, it just doesn't really happen very much in manga. And I want to keep my eye out, because I want to know where Urasawa... This is such a cool signpost of going, where does Urasawa think? his chapter markers are like that's going to tell us so much about like how he perceives the structure of this story um and it's 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 really cool because most manga doesn't give you that you kind of have to try and infer um i've been talking a lot for a while do you want to pick things up from here yeah the 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 two things the other two things i was going to note from this chapter are i forgot one thing in my in my summary of nina she's also a pizza delivery girl i mean how how do you not immediately love her i think is is thing number one um and then thing number two so i'm gonna read the email because i think the sequence where she gets the first email from this mysterious person is very good because you can feel like the camera zooming in and like ominous music playing and it doing like yes you know strings yes. going and it's it's you know i can't the, the text is really small anime i'm excited to see yeah. if that to see if that plays out uh-huh because um, that's a real fun called shot well and the other thing is like this whole segment i would say it's playing the like the the you know in evangelion there's that one music that plays whenever they're at masato's house drinking beer and eating bad ramen it's like the the fun music the dee 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 anyway right. and i feel like that's what's playing over all of nina's stuff in this first chapter um, and then it pauses for a second. It's like ominous music as it zooms in on this computer. And there's this poem that's just like the capitalization's off. And it just says, I shall send you the most beautiful flowers. I was born to smother you with flowers. And she looks at it for a second. And it's just like, ha, 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 ha. This is so silly. <laughs> yeah, um, it's so funny. It's my favorite joke from Scott Pilgrim. It's when he gets the first email from the League of Evil Axis. And is like, this is, this is boring oh my god that's so fucking funny i did not make that uh, yeah. connection not that there's like a connection but no that's a really but funny it's, pull. it's the same move and i think it's a very good joke whenever it whenever it happens um it's so. really and it's especially funny because she like you know she points at the screen she's like haha good one and then the next panel is the computer and a mid shot <laughs> with this ominous black background and it's like the manga itself going are you stupid 
it's, it's really good. I think that should be an image macro. It's just someone pointing at a computer and then a zoomed out for a picture of the computer with the most just miserable whatever on it. It's just... Yeah. It's, oh my god. I don't even, like, I don't think it's meant to be comical, but it is it comical. It is. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super funny, and I, like, I don't know. Is it a context thing? It can't be a context thing. I think the only way to read this is that Nina's dumb. Like, even in the, yeah. even at the time, like, like, she doesn't think it's creepy until a bit later when she's, like, when she's, like, uh, a few pages later when she's, like, oh, but only my friends know my email address. Who could it be? But she still isn't, she doesn't, like, go, oh, that's weird. Oh, that's creepy. She, she does seem to think it's sweet or at least not pay much mind. Yeah. Uh, which is, is just, just bizarre. She's so used to dudes hitting on her in the weirdest way that I the guess. only way she can read this is just like, ah, uh, another dork. You know? I guess so. I guess I guess I could. I guess it is a character moment. Um, do we want to talk about the amusingly on the nose therapy session? Oh, it's great. I think um, you know because okay, so. What do they what do they talk about? Because I know that the therapy section that I think about more it comes a little bit later, and it's it's a more serious one. Yeah. But um, in this first one, I mean, she talks about how you know she's just she's a little anxious. She's in college. She's doing her best to keep busy. Um, and the therapist, yeah, this is the on the nose part. You know, the therapist says, "Well, you know, it's a time of transition. You aren't sure who you are, which is like a signal to to us, you know, and then a signal to." her right i mean because the whole thing is she starts realizing hey she doesn't remember a lot of stuff about her childhood and this is like where we're supposed to start drawing the lines to okay this is a character we should know this is someone we've seen before whatever because i think it's like a page or two after this the tenma shows up because he's not in this chapter like at all until the very end he's doing it he's doing something completely off um to the side yeah it is kind of on the nose but i think it works uh it, it, it's a transition from like that like i said that sailor moon mode back into yeah psychological thriller mode what do you think about the about it about it here's here's the thing that i here's the thing that i think one it is it is funny that she goes you know what they say in japan um uh i guess she i guess she learned the saying in aikido class uh but it is it is funny to drop that Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but i think the main thing i think the main thing that does get me about this and i think it's a minus is and yet I can't shake the feeling that her smile is a defense mechanism against something she's running away from. <laughs> Some great darkness. What could it be? But then he brings it back with the next panel where the psychiatrist says, I won't be a top-notch psychiatrist until I figure that out. Which brings it back to being a character moment for the psychiatrist. It's great. It's good. I it's think it works. Like, I, I think probably, I think probably, it would be about five times better if they cut the just three words, some great darkness. It, yeah, that is a little corny. I think it's I think it's a little I think it's a little on the nose. Uh, I think Idol is also a recurring character. I'm pretty sure we see a, a good amount more of him. Okay, I'm interested in that because I, I I guess we'll talk about that when we get to the end, but I'm not quite sure I think where we go from here. Totally. Um, I, well, I'll tell you something that I just noticed, uh, now I was just flipping through and I realized, uh, Nina has no less than four different fits in this chapter and they're all good. 
Like, yeah. Urasawa is paying attention to her fashion. I especially like what she's wearing on the day that she's uh, doing therapy because she has this fucked up vest that has a different pattern on each half. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, it's, mm-hmm. and it's fucking great, you know? And I just think that's... Again, this is a great example of Urasawa demonstrating to us how much he thinks about his characters, how much he cares about them, and how little he leaves to chance. Yeah. Does he... Is this um, Is this after the tennis manga? Is this like the... Yes. Okay, so yes. I mean... Yes, because the tennis, the tennis one was Happy, and this is directly following. So it feels like... I, I haven't read Happy, so this is just like completely reaching, but it feels like maybe he's pulling some of that mode into the story here. Mm, yeah, I can't, I can't speak to that either, but I think that's a good pull, and I'm excited to find out if you're right in three years. Yeah, whenever we read that. Yeah. OBKB. All right, is that it for chapter one? Or for yeah, chapter nine? Uh, I don't think I have any other notes on chapter nine unless you do. Yeah, uh, we get we get our first glance of uh, non-shaved Tenma, which is fun. Grizzle Tenma is the best Tenma, honestly. Grizzle Tenma is so good. If you if any of uh, you have watched the anime listeners, you know that like the opening the opening sequence is just chock full of the grungiest Tenma. Um, it's so fun. Uh, yeah, okay, all right. Do you want to summarize chapter 10 since I did 9? Yeah, sure. Tenma goes on a fact-finding mission and has tea with a blind Nazi. Meanwhile, Nina is set up for a date, but ends up fainting instead. Yeah, that's what happens. That's, uh, that is what happens in a, in a... (laughs) In a concrete sense, this is a, this is a fact finding. This is a fact finding chapter, um, with some with some really really interesting cool stuff going on. I think mm-hmm. this chapter has. I love like this chapter. The gears are all clicking, and I listen to the clicks, and I go, "Hmm." What a nice watch! Yeah, that's what you think as you look at this. Yeah, so so Tenma. Um... In case anyone doesn't remember, the the kind of the mystery that kicks off the uh, in in the end of part one is there's couples across Germany that are being murdered just in absolutely brutal ways. Um, so Tenma starts going around to the different scenes of these murders and he's interviewing people, asking if they remember a boy who lived with the people who had been murdered. And most of them say, yeah, you know, kind of. It was a long time ago. He wasn't very memorable, um, stuff like that. One of them mentions something about the sister, and that's what reminds Tenma, oh, the boy had a sister. So then he starts asking about that, and that gets him maybe a little bit further. He meets he meets with a lady who is um, – basically, she predicts the modern fascination with true crime podcasts. She's like yes, one of those true I, crime in my notes, people. I, in my notes, I have, I love true crime grandma. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, because she says, well, you know, I'm, uh, hang on, let me, let me find the exact phrase that she uses. It's so good. It's so um, good. She says, oh, yes, I have a weakness for crime stories. I follow them religiously. Yeah. And in, in a, a couple panels before she was like, it had to have been the same perp. Like they have her talking in. She's in using the lingo. lingo. Yeah. It's uh-huh. so, it's so funny. Her face is also really well constructed. Mm-hmm. Just like a very, uh, a very human face i don't know how else to put it yeah yeah it's a very good grandma face big nose some wrinkles big glasses you know she's kind of the hair uh-huh it's uh it's it's fun and you know she doesn't really she doesn't like tenma too much is kind of the takeaway she's like well you know he's 
What a gloomy fellow, I think, is this what she says <laughs> yeah. when he leaves. What a, what a gloomy fellow. I also I also noted that. I love I love True Crime Grandma. Um, it's good. Yeah, and like how tired Tenma is, I think it comes across there. But um, yeah, yeah the, the big Tenma thing is here is this conversation that he has with, with the Nazi, the blind Nazi, which is this where the king thing is for you? Yes, it is. Yeah, so yes, this is ap- it is. This is apt pupil. Uh, it's apt pupil. Matt, uh, by all means, what is apt pupil? So apt pupil is... Uh, one of the four novellas in the Stephen King novella collection, um, Different Seasons, which uh, is a small book that, like, every story in that, every novella in that book has been turned into an extremely, uh, two of them have been turned into extremely famous movies. Um, the Shawshank Redemption comes from that book. Uh, Stand By Me comes from that book. They made a movie out of Apt Pupil. They're making a movie out of the last story in that book, The Breathing Method, which is maybe the worst. Um, yeah. But Apt Pupil is a, uh, it's the story of a of a all-American blonde high schooler boy who befriends a, uh, he realizes that an old man who lives down the street from him was a Nazi um, and basically uses this information to blackmail a man and says he's going to turn him in unless uh, the Nazi tells him what it was like to work in the concentration camps and stuff like that. Because he it, he has this weird fascination with, um, with Nazism, with uh, the concentration camps specifically, um, and it gets tied up in, you know, as he's going through puberty with like uh, sadomasochism and his sexual interests. And they develop this really weird codependent relationship where um, they both start, they they both start killing unhomed people, um, and it ends in this horrible. I don't know. It's it's really bleak. It's kind of gross. It's one of the I don't know. In just King things, their opinion of it was mostly pretty negative. Um, I think there's some really interesting stuff in that story, but it is. It feels very like, you know, you're just watching something gross and terrible and kind of gawking at it. It's the, you know, sicko outside the window saying, yes, yes, yes. I mean, there's there's nothing positive or good in that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think probably if you wanted to take the concept of apt pupil and make it significantly less gross, I think this is how you do it. I think I like this interpretation because, look, look. Is it technically possible that Urasawa wrote this sequence either without having read Apt Pupil or without consciously realizing the inspiration he was taking? It's technically possible. Yeah. I don't think that it's likely. There it is, feels it pretty just, direct. It feels pretty direct. And we already know Urasawa likes Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And and after people came out in what what was it seventy nine eighty one no it's in the it's like eighty three it's it's somewhere it's in there it's eighty three that's still that's eleven years before this chapter comes out there is no way in hell there is no way in hell that this is not at the very least an unconscious uh, take on it and I think it's it's in the eighty percent chances that this is a direct reference reference yeah no no i i I think that tracks um and you're right i think where that story fumbles um is it you know stephen king is not ever good at writing about non uh heterosexuality um yeah and that aspect is quite thankfully absent here um because because the child is is much younger right so i think pulling that 
chunk out that big problematic stumbling block out i think makes it so you can you can take kind of the conceit of this right the concept and, and do something interesting with it um which here it's you know the the nazi tells tenma you know i taught him english and french he would read to me you know he talked he talked about you a lot dr tenma and how he viewed you as a father figure um and how he was thankful to you and the thing that he would ask me about a lot was my time working on a on a on a u-boat um the german submarine but the stories that he wanted to hear weren't ones about adventure it was the terror the fear how you know the the worst parts of war that was what he liked to hear about um so it's it's you know it's it's communicating to you hey you know this kid was always messed up something's wrong with him right it's 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 that monstrousness the monster um he he's the uh matt he's the monster he's a monster i think the way it reveals that he was a nazi is good because the, the the he starts talking i was like was this dude a nazi and then it's like oh yeah he was 100 percent a nazi yeah well it's like well it's like he comes in and then tenma looks at the pictures and you see this guy you see, like, some pictures of him in uniform. And just based on the timing of it all, you can infer that he was a Nazi. They don't even say the word. They don't say the word they Nazi They never say once. the word Nazi. Yeah. They, don't make, they don't make the fucking, they don't make any fucking bones about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's just like, you know, and he was, on a, he was on a U-boat, you know, so for what it's fucking worth, I guess, he wasn't, like, at the camps or anything. But he sure was a Nazi. Uh, and there's kind of no way around that. Um... He is drawn. His face is kind of malicious. I think is, is oh, the other thing. Oh, absolutely. I in my notes I say, you know, this guy's a Nazi the second you look at him. Yep, one hundred percent. You know, you see, an, you see an old, wrinkly, kind of, kind of hawkish uh, German man um, in the nineteen nineties. That's a Nazi. I, that's that's a toe to tip. Uh, that's a Nazi. Um, and I also think it's really cool because uh, I think it's kind of obvious to the reader, maybe that. Um, that this guy is blind. Oh, absolutely. It's like, how did Tenma... Tenma's a doctor. How did he not yeah, realize this? <laughs> it's not obvious to Tenma. Um, but that reveal is still is still cool because you realize that the only reason Johan spent any time with this dude, why this dude is alive, is because he was blind. He couldn't see him. Right? Which is what Junger said in the last one. You know, he doesn't let anyone see him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so that's really... I think that's cool as shit. And if we're going to go back to my big picture thing from the from the first episode, which was, you know, the eyes of the window to the soul, right? Which mm, I think comes up mm. a little bit later. Wow. I, that plays in here somewhere. Mm. I don't know 100% why. Perceiving, being perceived, you know. There is something to that. We're getting there. Yeah, so that's like, that's a big chunk of what's going on in this, in this chapter. Then we go, uh, there's a little bit about how Oh, we've somehow missed, we've, we've totally skipped over the fact, uh, this uh, last chapter and this chapter, that uh, Nina doesn't remember her childhood at all, and her parents haven't told her that uh, they aren't her real parents. Right, and they, there's a debate going on, hey, oh, we'll tell her on her birthday, you know, because they, they think of her as their daughter, they love her, you know, yeah. they don't want to hurt her, they're good parents, um, but and they're unsure how to tell her, you know, what's going on. Yeah, and so there's a little bit of that, and and that's sad. Just kind of, just kind of being, being with her parents, um, in those small moments where they're talking about that, 
and acknowledging that, and you can really see their their sorrow. And, They're very uh, sad. Yeah, I was going to say that is you can always see how sad her parents are, um, and it and it makes you sad for them because it's like, oh, you're just trying your best. Yeah, sad about sad about having to tell her, not sad in general. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really good they're good parents, and they love her very much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, Which is never a good sign in a thriller. No, <laughs> when people love each other very much. It's no, not good. it's not. Um, and then a pretty a, a a cool a very cool move happens in the last few pages of this chapter where. So her friends are like, hey, we know who sent you the emails. Oh, that reminds me of something I wanted to talk about a bit earlier, actually. Um, uh, this is one of the few pages that has a page number on it. If any of you have been like, why aren't they telling me the page numbers? It's because, like, there's almost never a page number. But this one has one, and it's 252. So this page is interesting visually. There's some visual comedy happening here uh, that's easy to miss. Um, this is Urasawa playing with the camera. So... If you look at it, so it's all about, like, whose faces are in the frame. And so it starts off with Nina's friend on the left in profile and Nina. Then the next panel is Nina Nina to the left and then her friend, her other friend in profile coming in from the right. And then it's a shot with Nina in the middle looking confused while her friends talk at each other from either side. And then it and then the camera flips around. Her friends are reversed and we don't see Nina. And, and so it's just this very three stooges, um, kind of, kind of like playing around with, with who we're seeing. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily meant to be super noticed, uh, but, but once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it, uh, and I couldn't unsee how much fun Urasawa was having with it. It's really good. Yeah. It's, um, these, this is a fun sequence, um. Because you're, you're supposed to be like, oh, her friends are idiots. But it's just also <laughs> like, it's it's fun. Yeah, and it adds kind of a, a sort of a, a frantic, like, you know, like when you, it puts you in Nina's shoes a bit because you're always, you're constantly off guard. You're like, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and the camera's flip-flopping. Anyway, so over to the end of the chapter then. Uh, her friends think they've narrowed down who is sending her the emails. And obviously, very obviously, we as the readers are like, okay, it's Johan. Yeah. And then they introduce him to the dude. It's just some guy. It's Otto Huberman. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Urasawa's uh, famous character, Otto Huberman. Hello, I'm Otto Huberman. <laughs> uh, and, and so that's all well and cool. And then this super cool sequence happens. It's so cool. Other stuff gets fuzzed out, and in the background, Nina sees Johan in the distance. As there's this, like, slow-down effect, everything else is blurred, and Johan is in perfect focus. You can hear the like, heartbeat go on. Yeah. It's just yes. Like, mm-hmm. Well, well, you can't, because he would have added the heartbeats if Yeah, I guess you're right. They were the there. Don-Dons, but... Um... Yeah, but... Actually, I mean, that might be a bit much. Maybe you can hear the heartbeat. I don't know, but... But, yeah, and she's like, who... Who is that? And then she's like, I, who, the, who the, like, I've seen that, I've seen that face before. Who are you? She faints. Who are you? End of chapter. Fuck, man. Boom. Boom. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, that's a, that's a good cliffhanger. So I, I think that chapter is real good. Yeah. Like it's super, it's super dense. Um, I think, uh, hanging out with the Nazis tense as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, like you learn some stuff and it's just like the atmosphere of that, of that conversation is very, um, it's, it's suspenseful, you know? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So moving on to chapter 11, I'll kind of summarize this one real quick because this one is kind of some setup. Yeah, this one just rolls. Um, so Dr. Tema goes to Heidelberg because he, he learns from the Nazi, hey, that's, you know, where the sister is. Uh, the the boy said he was going to go find them on their 20th birthday. So he goes to Heidelberg. He has a hunch that, um, you know, this boy disappeared from Heidelberg. There's probably a story about a missing person. You know, he can find it and kind of narrow down what's going on and, and find them. Uh, he goes to the newspaper. He meets he meets a guy named Marer, who is somewhere between J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson and, and Perry White. He feels like, you know, a guy is just like, ah, you got chutzpah, kid. And, uh, <laughs> you yes. know, just yes, chain smoking. perfect archetype. You know, he stinks. He eats too much. He's, His wife you know, left him. Everyone hates him at the office, you know, but, like, he's, he's a good reporter. Um, and it's like he wears it as a mark of pride. I think like how much yeah, of a scumbag you know, he, he is. He bleeds ink like he's mm-hmm. that. He's yes. that guy. Yes. You know he's got the the loose tie. The buttons open a little bit. You can imagine it's a sweat stained shirt. You know he's eating. He's donuts. introduced with a shot of him eating a eating a hot dog specifically. Yeah, mm-hmm. eating hot oh, dogs. Oh man, um, it's it's good. So so Tema shows up him. and is like, "Hello, sir. I would like to view your archives. I need to find the story." And the dude's like, "Okay, kid. Good luck." Please let me reiterate the entire plot so far to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good. Hey, if you haven't been reading up to now, you can get into it. So Tema goes to the archives. He's digging through stuff. You know, um, Nina goes to see her therapist, and it's a very, very different scene. It's very tense. She's yeah. clearly very worried. Um, you know, and, and she says, um, I, I think this is a really good sequence where she says, you know, she's not a religious person, but she, when she saw this dude who caused her to faint, the feeling that she got was one that she's had in nightmares, and it's one of just pure, absolute evil. Um, yeah, in a I have way that a she note. thinks is a little ridiculous. Yeah. What, what's your I note? have a note. Uh, he says that's their own theology. Matt, can you believe I thought Christianity wasn't going to come back up? <laughs> can you believe that I said that with my mouth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the dragon, man. It's <laughs> the dragon and the monster. <laughs> They're here. They're pure evil. Dragon and um, monster. And I do think it's. I I think that's. I think it's interesting that both of them are like, hey, we're not church people, but like this concept of evil is that's the only terms that we have to discuss yeah, it in. It's, it's, it's just compelling a to biblical evil. Um, so, um, and, and she kind of recognizes to her therapist, like, Hey, I realize this is kind of ridiculous, but like, I'm, I'm worried about it. Um, and he kind of tells her, Hey, don't put too much pressure on it. Don't worry about it. Whatever. So Tenma, you know, keeps digging through the stuff. Uh, Mara finds him passed out. It takes him out to dinner. They have like a nice heart to heart. They talk about, you know, he says, Oh, I smoked too much and worked too much and got divorced. Tenma tells him he should quit smoking, you know, and then his wife probably cared about him. Um, and that's like their good bonding moment. So then they go back and they're yeah. at it together. And of course, now yeah. that they're doing it together, they're immediately able to find the story that they're looking for. And they realize, of course, coincidentally, today is the birthday. Today is their birthday. Done, done. Yeah, yeah, which is, woo, woo! Um, oh, and I guess at the same time, Nina gets another email saying, hey, meet me at the castle at 7 p.m. Yeah. And that's the question yeah. that, that this one ends on. Um, what do you What do you have to say about these chapter, or this chapter? I, I like this chapter a lot. Yeah, I think it's good. I like this chapter a lot. Real quick, I want to say something that, like, um, is true of all of the chapters. And of just this, uh, Urasawa's work in general. His establishing shots... Um, for locations are consistently incredible 
and the quality of illustration between his regular shots and his establishing shots are stark. It's stark. Mm -hmm. You know, he puts so much effort and care into these establishing shots. They are so they are so realistic. There are so many good shots of cities at night in the rain yes. in this book yes. so far. You know, like they're obviously they're obviously sketched from reference photography. He's mm-hmm. he's putting so much effort into it and I think that it um I think it just does a lot. I think it does a lot for the atmosphere, it does a lot for establishing the fact that, hey, 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 asshole, you're in Germany. You're in Germany. You got mm-hmm. it? You fucking got it? Cobblestone streets, dude. Yeah, you're not in some, like, fucking, like, generalized Europe. You're not in a, you're not in a book. You know, the important part of the, the location is a character. It is important that this story is happening when and where it's happening. Um, which is true of, uh, I think, mm, not every other Urasawa story, uh, but it's true of some, like, Billy Bat, where and when things are happening. Holy shit, is that important unspeakably important but then you get to pluto where and when something is happening isn't as important quite so much um because it's not a real place so like really you see these establishing shots urasawa cares about keeping you grounded he's like this is real this is real this is real this is happening yeah yeah uh and i think that's a really important move for him to do i think i think that it's a subtle thing that really um grounds everything in a needed way yeah um i i i think it's it's good it's neat um i don't have a lot to say specifically about this one because it does feel kind of procedural right it feels like you know we're setting up pieces so that we can move the story forward um and i think i mentioned at the top that i i wasn't sure about the pacing of of these of this of the chapters in the first half of this volume um and and like i said i it it feels like hey we're setting up stuff that if you haven't read a story like this before you know uh it's 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 easing you into the genre um Mm, and i i can see why people really like this series and i think the anime specifically because it feels like it would be a good intro to this kind of story um it's it's playing with a lot of tropes it's playing with a lot of character types but i think it does it without getting too corny um, it does just kind of slow the story down a little bit, um, which I, I don't necessarily think is bad, but um, it's, it's just something that I noticed. I think they make up for that by introducing Maurer. Yeah, he's a, he's a good character. I think he's good. I, I love him very much. And I also like I've mentioned this. I've mentioned this before. And we've already seen it a couple like like almost three times in this reading alone. I cannot overstate one of Urasawa's greatest strengths as an author is giving you everything you need to know about a character in three pages or less. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely, it's like a magic trick. Every time he fucking does it, the amount, like you, you start chapter, you start chapter 11 having, you know, not knowing anything about Maurer. By the time you're three pages in, you know, you know almost everything yeah. about, about Maurer. And, and it feels so natural. It's just like you it's like you just happened to be dropped into a moment in his life that really epitomized who he was. Mm-hmm. It's a stock character that's given just enough meat on the bones to make it real, right? I, I wouldn't say he's like a fully three-dimensional character, right? But it does feel just like, okay, you start with a caricature, right? You know, news guy eating a hot dog stinky whatever and then you just add (laughs) enough details a bit at a time where it's like okay this is this distinguishes him from just being a generic version of this character 
Uh, would that be, would we call that also um, a, a similarly kingy move? I think so. And like, it goes back to, you know, when we talked about serials at the beginning, you know, Dickens is the original serialist. And I, and I know Lutz really? on just, I, he, he's one of the original ones. I know Michael Lutz on Just King Things talks about, hey, Stephen King in working with these stock characters, he was, he was doing, it's a Charles Dickens move, right? Like having this menagerie of characters that you can pull from, which I think for Urasawa, we would say it's this menagerie of faces that you can pull from as well. Totally a menagerie of characters. I mean, and that's also that concept of the stock character I mentioned last episode. That's a big Tesca thing. Okay. That's a huge Tesca thing. So it's, man, I love that. I love this fucking like lineage shit where you're like, yeah, where there's you're a figuring out kind of where this, where stuff comes from. Nothing, nothing is just, nothing springs from everything. It comes from something else. So it's, yeah. um, it's good. I don't have too much more to say about this chapter. Do you? No, we talked about the religious thing. Uh, I think the moment where Tenma reads books all night and Maurer finds him passed out on the ground is a good moment. It's real doctor stuff, too. I mean, you know, totally. the immediate stereotypes about doctors are always they work themselves until they collapse, right? And, like, I think uh, Mara comments on that, yeah. It says, like, you're so unhealthy, you're just, you're working all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's ridiculous. And I love, you know what I think is cool, actually, about Mara, um, is that he's he's lying to himself. Yeah. In this in this one chapter, Tenma, Tenma lets this character lie to himself and come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, it's the, it's the Patriots talking about losing his wife and he's like, we journalists get caught up in other people's problems and ignore our own. And then at the end of the page, he has this, this, uh, almost Becker like face, um, where he's, he looks like a little, a little fucking like scamp, like, kind of, like almost edging into, into a face you'd give to a bad guy. Um, you know, but it's like, it's obvious that he doesn't even believe what he's saying. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. ever have a family. You're better off alone. At least you got your freedom. Yeah. And then, and then the next panel is one that's easy to skip over. But if you really look at it, Tenma is making the strangest face. Yeah, it's he's so laughing. Odd. He's laughing under his breath. <laughs> he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's smirking. He's going. He's <laughs> just, I don't think I, I don't think I see him make that face ever again. He's just like, okay. <laughs> And then the next thing he says, he's like, aren't, aren't you going to go after your wife? Um, like, he just clocks it. Yeah. Um, and I love that. You know, I uh, I really, I like that a lot. Tenma is such a good dude, right? Like, he cares about everyone that he comes into contact with. I think that's, like, his, his strength and maybe his weakness. Who knows? We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's, yeah, let's move on to the next chapter. I think that's everything here. Okay, chapter 13. I feel like we're making a much better time this time. Oh, no, no, no. Chapter 12, not chapter 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's chapter 12, but we're still making... No, we're making a time. We're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I think 12... Especially considering we started with, with Matanning Balance. 12, I think, is going to go pretty quick, is, is my guess. <laughs> oh, is, yeah. I yeah. definitely have the least to say about 12. Okay. Um, are you? I think it's, it's your turn to summarize your 12. Okay. Uh, chapter 12... Um, birthday of terror yeah a terrible name <laughs> not not your best <laughs> um not your best real different seasons um yeah, it's a subtitle uh, yeah yeah tenma and maurer go to uh the fortner's house then tenma goes to the castle nina's at the castle uh they have a quick fight that's it 
Yeah, the the one thing that I called out here, that's the whole thing. The one thing I called out is um, when they when they get to the house, they split up, and Mara says, "Hey, I'll stay here with the family. I'm going to call the cops. Oh you go to the God. castle." And there's it's it's the moment where he says, "Hey, Doc, be careful, be safe. Promise me you'll come back." And he says, "Okay, I promise." He says, "I promise I'll quit smoking. You know, if you make it back safe and sound." Which I mean, he's signing his death warrant right there. Oh no, uh, my note for this is a uh, deathiest death flag this side of Death Fucking Valley. Put that panel <laughs> on the city fucking limits. <laughs> Like, that's on his. That's on like, his. That's on his tombstone. Was him saying he promised he would quit smoking. <laughs> yeah, like cause. Put that on the coroner's report. Cause of death. Uh, promised he'd quit smoking in a thriller. I mean, and he makes it. Either, it's a cute remark where he's like, "Well, my doctor told me I should quit smoking." It's like, okay, yeah, that's, you just know. like my quack doctor told me to. Yeah, and then and then and then the next page, he's like, "I don't believe this." Your line's been cut. Is that his last line? And then the I next time so. we see him, he's fucking dead. He's Jesus. dead. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, that almost oh feels mean. Man. I think giving him where it he is. realizes that the line has been cut is the. Thing. But also, like, that's like that's the thing. That's the thing about Urasawa is that he loves his characters. He will kill them. He yeah. will kill them. But it's also interesting because you don't you don't read Urasawa and really think of him as as like oh this guy. This guy kills his characters because I don't, I don't know why. I guess it's just because to me, you know, and, and keep this in mind, like, like listeners, here's some Quinn context. I am not a good critical reader unless I'm trying to be. I experience most media um, very uncritically unless it's super in my face um, with, with something that it's doing wrong. So like as a person, I'm really good at suspending disbelief. I'm not as good at, at recognizing things on my first go round, right? Um, so this could just be me reading Urasawa. But to me, I always feel like when Urasawa kills a character, it is at the perfect moment. Yeah. You know, like, Urasawa doesn't kill characters for shock. He kills characters for a reason. And I think that's the difference, Right. Yeah, and I mean, we already talked about, like, Mara, his whole deal has already been explained. There's not much more that this character can do. I mean, honestly, we like him. That's he's a, a fun point. character, but he's he's run his, you know, he's run his race. There's no more he can do. He's served his purpose in the plot. He's had his his interactions with Tenma. Yeah, he's had an entire character arc in, in two fucking in chapters. pages. Yeah, it's, you know... So um, he does kind of him and Tenma talk a little bit on the way over. He says he'd been covering those murders, how terrible they are. They do the thing again where oh, they say it's a, a monster. Yeah, yeah, it was the work of the devil. Matt, uh-huh. can you believe? Can you believe? I, I the, thought Christianity was wasn't gonna come back up. Who? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, we'll keep a devil count. I think maybe. I no. We won't, <laughs> but. I, I I don't know. I'll it be interested be, to see if it. Maintains. If it keeps happening, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm does it keep happening or does it not? Um, we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't think I have anything else super important to say about it. Oh, the hedge, the hedge trimmer guy is creepy as shit. What a creep! Yeah, I was gonna say Fucking, like, like, ugh. yeah. I mean, because this whole thing is just like he's like, you need to stay here. I don't get paid unless you stay here. He told me nothing was going to happen, and I just need to make sure you stay here. And he's just like, I mean, yeah. he just looks off. Like, his head is kind of tilted to the side a little bit. His mouth's hanging Yeah, he's open. got the, the he eyes like shaded from the baseball cap. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. very much. Um, very much, and I think uh, kind of a, a 90s 
uh, slasher uh, yeah. kind of a character here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's also like, it's also kind of continuing this thing of Johan having this network. Johan being able to make anyone do what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's everywhere. Which, 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 now that I think about it, hey, that sounds a, a little bit like um, the devil, eh? Hey, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's like a lion prowling among you blah 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 yeah you yeah. know like he's got he's got his servants he's got his uh adherents disciples you know um and and it's we learn more about about that and kind of how it works as the story goes on and i think it's kind of interesting and, and uh, you know okay. but but right yeah, now yeah i'm interested to see how that works because he it really does it does kind of the villain trick of like oh he's ever here at once you know he killed the family and now he's back and has killed this dude you know it just feels like he he's breaking the rules a little bit is almost what it feels like they never explain the poison candy yeah. they never explain the poison candy <laughs> like yes absolutely i think you've i think he does break the rules yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Hedge Trimmer guy is creepy. Uh, Return of the Aikido. Um, yeah, she beats she the has shit a, out of this she dude. She fucks this guy up. Uh, and I also, you know, we don't see... Urasawa doesn't do a lot of action sequences, um, but I really like it when he does. I like how he portrays motion. It's all blur, you know? Um, I, I really... I don't know if Aikido comes up anymore in the story after this. Did he give though. her? Did he put her in Aikido just so she could do this? Maybe I don't know, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. But yeah. it, it is cool. It is cool when it happens. It's cool. And then Tenma does the stupidest thing that anyone's ever done. He ties this guy's hands with his tie. With his uh, own tie. With his tie. I mean, and it, you know he's stressed. It's a moment where of panic. But he does the thing where you see him do it, and you're like, oh, you fucked up. You made a mistake. Oh, see, you caught that. You caught that on your first go around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's exactly the kind of thing. Yeah. Like this is very this is very illuminative of how I read things because listeners I would never have got that I okay. would not like like sometimes I can catch stuff like that um, but like I really value like I like being surprised by things so mm-hmm. I just don't I just partially consciously partially unconsciously don't look for that unless I'm reading like a mystery or something and then I'm like and then I'm like close reading but with this I'm just like yeah sure the time sure uh, but no you're absolutely right it is uh it does prove to be a problem yeah so that's the end of that chapter i'll move to the next one um chapter 13 i think it's called night of terror is that this one house of sorrow house of sorrow okay night of terror must have been a different one uh house uh, of you're sorrow. thinking of birthday of terror birthday of terror yep immediately <laughs> prior okay birthday of terror house of sorrow do you think that sounded better in Japanese, Birthday of Terror? It had Maybe. to, right? It had to have. It can't sound as bad as birthday it sounded of, in English. Birthday of Terror, House of Sorrow. What's the next chapter called? Uh, now I'm wondering. Chapter 4. I bet not you it your doesn't fault. Cont- Not your fault. Okay, is good. so it's That's... just... Okay, that is good. But this does tell us that 12 and 13 are... They're of a, they're one piece and then the second yeah, piece. They're, yeah, they're one piece. You know, they're uh, set sail for... Um, <laughs> the house of sorrow for a bad time yeah yeah so these these two chapters we can tell from these uh titles uh that these two chapters are one chapter they are one story unit which explains the weird pacing in chapter 12 yes so um okay i'm gonna i'm gonna read my summary um yeah they get to the house everyone is dead uh, tenma's eyes go blank he tries to do cpr on mara nina's in a daze her eyes also go blank remembering she tried to kill Johan. She was the one who shot him. She collapses. 
Um, two cops show that up and explain. It. Yeah, I, I and I, I think we said that. I, I, I was kind of surprised that it came back this early. Um, <laughs> you called it so hard. <laughs> well, like I mean, when you I, were saying that last episode, I was like, oh my god. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was. I was, I was, I was surprised that it came back this early. I think is, is what I'll say. But, um, but it, it's, it's a good moment. Um, so two cops show up. They explain they got called. They need to take Tenman into the station. They get in the car. Tenman realizes, hey, we're not going to the station. And also, the phone line was cut. So these guys couldn't have been called, and he starts to panic. He thinks these guys aren't even cops. Oh, my God, one of them has blood on his pants. What is going on? This is another piece of this, uh, you know, Johan is doing this. Um, he panics, but then um, they come to a police checkpoint on a bridge, and he's relieved. Okay, they're going to realize what's going on. Everything's going to be okay. Um, the guy running the checkpoint comes up and is talking to these detectives and confirms, yes, these are real cops. These are detectives, which— now Tenma's panicking even more because how does Yohan have his hooks into the police? Has he bought these guys off? What's going on? They step out for air. Um, the cops make a mistake where they call Dr. Tenma by his name. Um, he, and he, you know, gets to do the nice moment where he says, well, I never told you my name and I never told you that I was a doctor. And they have, there's the split moment where we get everyone's reaction shot. And then he grabs Nina and they swan dive off the bridge into the river. Hell Yeah um which is it's a it's a real good way to end this chapter yeah i have a i have a lot of notes on this one yeah i do too because um especially on that on that kind of last moment but we'll we'll get there when we get there so starting at the beginning um what's your what's your first note on this chapter okay so um let's go with let's go with okay my first note on the chapter is the the full page shot with the title card um, where the house is dark and yeah. they're running towards it. Absolute, just uh, a real masterpiece of a panel, I think. Um, like it has, it has a sense of motion, but not too much. It's not exciting, mm-hmm. you know. But you can tell you're moving toward it. The whole thing is hatched like it's it's all converging on the door. The house is dark um there are no lights on inside there are there's very little light outside the whole thing is is shadowed and grayed um and it you know it feels it feels like you're running into the fucking abyss it is so god damn good it's really good um my first note is next page when they come into the house and see everything we get two reaction shots of their faces the first is in the style that we're used to, and then the second reaction shot is... I mean, it just looks like marker drawing? Yeah, I don't well, know. So, What's the deal so with this? What they did, it's actually, uh, if you look closely, it what Urasawa did is he took the line art from the previous panel and then made a copy of it and just just may offset it a tiny bit. So it gives this feeling of them being sh- like literally physically shaken. Yeah, like, I I love that panel. I think it's it's yeah, so Yeah, I noted good. it too. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, just like how it it, it just like the more simplified kind of um it's cuz the background's gone cuz they're on that the, they're on a yeah, white background in the gone. second panel. Background's um, gone. It's it just it's feels got like so much impact. You're seeing straight into their yeah. their soul. Um it's it's really Definitely. good. And then we get a we could just get a bunch of different shots of this house in disarray, one of these horrible crime scenes that, you know, everyone has talked about. Matt, um, Matt, it's time. It's time? 
It's time. All right, Matt. Okay, so everybody, there is an amazing book. There is an amazing book called Understanding Comics. Here we go. By Scott McCloud. Um, and if you're at all interested in comics, manga, sequential art, how it works, why it works, what makes it tick, uh, it's invaluable um, and just so cool. So the part of this book that interests me maybe the most of all of the interesting things in it, the part that uh, I think about the most when I'm reading comics and manga is where he talks about different kinds of transitions between panels. Uh, and he names a few, um, such as... Uh, moment to moment where say an eye is open and then the next panel it's closed right or you would have action to action where in one panel uh, a dude is winding up to hit a baseball and in the second panel he has finished the swing and the ball is flying away right um but the the transition that is the most important to us here is what is called an aspect-to-aspect -aspect transition, which occurs uh, rarely in Western comics, but is very, very common in, in manga, um, is uh, way more common in, in manga than, than in uh, comics from other traditions. So what aspect-to-aspect -aspect is, is when you have a sequence of panels that are individual things within a scene or a place that that set the scene. Uh, you can kind of think of it as an establishing shot where instead of seeing everything at once, you see smaller pieces of it and interpret the whole from that, right? So um, for, for a room, you would see uh, like a, a glass of coffee on the table, maybe a pile of notebooks, um, uh, what's like the, the collection of DVDs. I don't know that sort of thing, but, but in seeing these individual pieces, your brain kicks into gear and you infer what the entire scene looks like from this. So with that, this next page right after their reaction shot is a page entirely of aspects to aspect transitions. And there is a lot to talk about with the layout of this page. Visually, this page is popping off. So first things first, all of the panels are non-orthogonal, right? So um, uh, Urasawa is a pretty by-the-book layout guy. Uh, his panels are all rectangular in shape. He doesn't go for, like, weird layouts very often. Uh, he is inventive, uh, not exactly inventive, but he makes sure that every layout is perfect for the moment. Um but he doesn't do a lot of outlandish stuff with his layout. And that is why this page has so much impact because the panels are all uh, different shapes, um, different sizes. They are not rectangular. All, uh, all of them are trapezoids. Um, there is an irregular amount of white space uh, at a, around a couple of the panels. Um, and really importantly, like there is, there isn't, a flow of time on this page. This page is aspect to aspect. What this page is doing is it is putting you into the eyes of Tenma and Nina. You are looking at the room through their eyes and you are focusing on the things they're focusing on. The most striking things um, that are also, that the most striking things that infer the whole. There's a sense of, of being afraid to look at at the very worst of it, but being forced to look at what you can. You see the cake falling on the ground, a bloodstain here, a, a bloody handprint here, Maurer's cigarettes, a, a shattered photo of, of the Fortner family. You know, and we as readers 
are not intended, are almost incapable of reading this page sequentially. It's not, it's not a page of, of, it's not in sequence. You take it in all at once. Um, and I think that is an incredible thing. I think, I think this page, and again, I put a lot of value on moments where you can see the artist, uh, in, in any context, I put moments that reveal that the artist is making choices. This page reveals that this entire time, Tenma's, er, er, Urasa was been making choices about layout. He could have made every page look like this. He did not. He made this one page look like this, and he did it for a reason. This is, this page is a real crowning achievement. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing else I can say because yeah, you, it's, I, 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 this is a thing that I think has come up in, the only time that I can think about something like this is in arguments that happen in English classes, right? Where it's where you think about how intentional is any given sentence right. or paragraph or whatever, things like that. And I swing back and forth between thinking like, yes, everything is a handcrafted little tool that's designed to hit you in a specific way. Um, or, you know, sometimes you just write something and it's just something that you write and it's, it's the piece that gets you to the next piece. Um, but I, I do think that, like you said, there's times where you can really see intentionality. Um, and this is, this is one of them. Um, I had a, a different English teacher who would, who would tell me this thing every once in a while, where when I would complain about having to, where I would complain about grammar and corrections that I'd get on papers for grammar and stuff. Um, and she would tell me, the rules are important. You have to know the rules so that you can break them on purpose in ways that are interesting. Um, and I, I, I think I wouldn't say that's quite what's happening here, but it, with the like you said, with the irregular panels, like that's it's it's designed to provoke an effect. Um, it's it's shock. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's um, it's good. It's very cinematic as well. I think right is you know you you've got lots of quick shots between different things. Um, and then I think, you know, when we turn the page, the effect that we get is, you know, we're feeling the same way that, that, um, that Tenma and, and Nina are feeling. We're just shocked. We're standing there. Um, it's, 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 and it puts it in perspective because you've got the corpses lying there in the, in the front of the frame on the, on the next panel. Yeah. You just see like their, their bloodstained like legs and their shoes in the foreground. And, um, it's a, it's a grisly, it's a really grisly effect. Um, which, yeah. And what is the yeah. first thing that Tenma does immediately after this? He goes and starts trying to give CPR to these corpses yeah. with bloody he checks. He checks their pulses. Checks their pulse and tries to do CPR. And you really, like, you see his, like, despair. Like, he's just like, there's no way, but, but he's still trying it, you know, almost out of habit. Um... I also want to I also want to mention in this sequence we so we're still we're still reeling right I want you to think about kind of so from their reaction onto the next page there's almost a like like a psychic flashbang sound is blown out we have no sound mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the the page with the aspect to aspect page no sound the next page with their reaction, no sound. Even when Tenma falls to his knees, we see him falling to his knees, and no there sound. are there are impact there are impact uh, uh, notations there. No sound. He crawls across the thing. He does. He breathes into uh, Fortner's or maybe Maurer's mouth. 
no sound. The sound only begins again when, when he, he starts, starts doing CPR. Again, Urasawa making choices, controlling, controlling what's happening in our heads. Very, very, very cinematic. I didn't even notice, but it just happens automatically. I think it's exactly. Thing. Like, you know, That's... those panels are silent, and you know, yeah, it's it's just it's it, man, it's masterful. It's, it's yeah, really and good. I'll I'll bet you anything. I'll bet you anything that in the you know in the show. Oh, that that sequence is silent, and then it starts. No, with the... no, I'll bet you anything. It's not. I bet you they missed the point. Oh man. I bet you they missed the point, and they had sound effects for all of it. Uh, the sound effects might actually make it grisly in a different way too. Because uh, sound effects mean and feel something different when uh, yeah. you can actually hear them, too. Mm-hmm. There is that. Um, but yeah, and uh, Tenma tries to bring Maurer back and can't, and he's fucking crying. And and maybe uh, almost a, a two-saccharine move, but one that I still think is effective. Uh, he he puts a cigarette back in Maurer's mouth and it's like, your, your cigarettes, you love these. And, and there's this great shot of Tenma Tenma crying mm-hmm. like it's effective yeah I um so the next the next sequence is is Nina it, f- everything comes rushing back she remembers everything and she says um I tried to kill him I tried to kill him and and Tenma has the real the same realization that she does and he goes oh my gosh he he realizes that he screwed up because she collapses and there's another moment there's a couple panels of silence look at nina's face look it, at nina's yeah. fucking face when she says he was supposed, he to, was die. supposed to die haunting haunting and tenma realizes he's he's messed up because what is the thing that he says after this period of silence he says i brought him back he's, <laughs> he, he realizes he realizes what he's done um Fuck. frankenstein's monster bringing it back <laughs> No, that's not no. what this is. But um, uh, anyway, whoa, we've gone into where new interpretation, everybody. We've jumped a different direction. Um, but then <laughs> you know, it, it, we go straight from here into some good like thriller. You know, realizing that the guys who are here to help you actually aren't. You know, the audience is realizing at the same time that Tenma is that this situation is something's off. I love these two cops. They both look really sad and just like. Um, especially mustache cop something about the way he's he's drawn his eyebrows are always just kind of like he's always making this face where he just kind of looks like he's frowning yeah. a little bit a little yeah. frustrated and well not frustrated just a little maybe like exasperated disappointed, disappointed maybe. dad is yeah, yes yeah he's just kind of like droopy dog eeyore droopy dog there yeah. we go um and I, I i guess i missed this earlier but he does ask he's like are you both okay you're not hurt like he's um yeah so there's actually a a funny thing that happens tenma does tell them his name oh does he did he imagine this whole thing my name's tenma so okay this is something that i think might be a mistranslation i don't know um it is true that tenma never told them he was a doctor that is true they did call him dr tenma there's no way they could have known he was a doctor that still works. But Tenma specifically says later, I never told you my name. Uh, but he did. He did do that. He goofed up. He he goofed up. And I think I think this might be a translation thing. Okay. I think maybe it's kind of, maybe it was a first name, last name thing. Or maybe there's some kind of like honorific with something along those lines. Or maybe uh, the translator added in the thing about not telling the name 
mm-hmm. um, and missed the other thing. I don't know what caused this problem, but it is a little silly. It's it's silly, and I think it works, though, because, I mean, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but, like, he realizes after he's done this thing, like, oh, shoot, those guys were cops, and I've just made my whole situation worse. Like, maybe yeah. they're involved somehow. It's unclear. He's confused. We're confused. It's that there's paranoia that's involved in it, like, for sure. And I think it really works, because, like, as me reading it, I'm like, I realized kind of at the same time that he did something's off, this is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then it's he has he's messed up in doing this, um, but it's uh, I um, okay. Do you have any notes? Because if you don't, I have a, a, a section that I'm going to get into here. Matt, go into that section, big guy. Okay, so the way that this chapter ends, right, with them diving off the bridge, this is um, this is a I'm certain, or. I, Maybe not exactly, but this feels like a reference to one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite cable movies, 1993's The Fugitive, um, which I don't know if if you've ever seen. Have you seen it? No. Okay. So it's Harrison Ford is the it's Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Harrison Ford is a doctor who is uh, wrongly accused and convicted of killing his wife. He's um, sentenced to life in jail. He escapes during there's like a prison transport that goes wrong. He escapes. Um, and he is going to hunt down the man who he knows killed his wife, um, a one-armed man who he saw fleeing the scene of the mirror of, of the murder. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is the is the U.S. Marshal who's tasked with hunting him down, and it becomes this kind of cat and mouse game with um, Tommy Lee Jones and his team of U.S. Marshals chasing Harrison Ford through um, you know across the country as Harrison Ford works to uncover the mystery of who killed his wife and and why. Um, and there's a there's a scene maybe an hour a third halfway through the movie where Harrison Ford escapes into the sewer. Um, there's a scuffle in the sewer. Tommy Lee Jones drops his gun. Harrison Ford's got it. Um, you know, and he, he has he has Tommy Lee Jones at gunpoint. Um, and he says, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones goes, I don't care. And then uh, Harrison Ford runs. Um, and uh, the sewer pipe comes out over a dam into a, into a river. Um, Tommy Lee Jones tells him he needs to surrender and come in. And instead, Harrison Ford jumps off into the river um and and gets away and that's the that's the next sequence so um right there visually that feels like a a reference on this but then also just by chance you know i i I think on the wikipedia page for monster i read that one of the influences on this series is the original tv show the fugitive that the harrison ford movie is is a remake of there it is. Um, and you can yeah, see the pieces, I mean, right? It's a doctor main character trying to uncover a mystery. There it it turns into I don't know how the TV show goes originally, but it becomes like a it's a conspiracy thing that comes out of it where in the movie it's a thing where there was like an experimental drug that was on the market. I don't it's very 90s um the the whole thing. Um, yeah, but the the timeline works out. That I I buy that for a fucking dollar. I think yeah. you're on the money here. It feels and it's 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 I think that's always a good move, having characters jump off of something into a body of water and get away. Um, it's, it's always fun. Aspiring, it's always exciting. Aspiring writers, here's your, here's, your tip for the, here's your tip for the day. Throw them off a bridge. <laughs> off, the, off, the fucking, off the fucking jetty, let's go. Uh, cool. No, that's a good get. I've been excited to, to hear this uh, ever since you mentioned this, uh, 
we were talking about this earlier. You were like, I think this this reminds me of a made for TV movie. And I'm like, God, I want to know yeah. what the fuck that means. Oh well, this was a this was a theatrical movie. This was a theatrical release. But I think most people who have seen it have seen it on cable because I, I rewatched the scene right before this recording, and the top comment on the YouTube video was man they played this thing on amc all the time i always watched it it took four hours to watch because there's so many commercials because the thing with cable movies and this is just like a quick rant is what they do is there's not a lot of commercial breaks in the first half and then they smash them all in at the end oh because you know, you're so you're so hooked at the oh, end that you just want to keep that's watching really it really smart i hate to give it to them and we we have the fugitive on dvd right like and but yeah. it's one of those things where it's anytime it comes on cable as you're flipping through the channels you just sit and watch it and it my, my dad and i watched that movie like three or four times together and by the time we get to the end it's always like we could just put the dvd in and watch this without the commercials but then we'd have to get up off the couch and uh let's just keep watching so i think that movie's great there's a really good um there's a dude gets hit with a, um, a a girder at one point, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's real good. Um, so yeah, the fugitive. That's um, they, and then they made a sequel to the fugitive called U.S. Marshals. That's just the same movie again, but not as good. Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. It's bizarre. Um, so yeah, that's um, I think that's how that chapter ends. And uh, you know, I mentioned um. I mentioned when I was talking about um, my. I think my big point for the first half of this was this feels like uh, an intro to this type of story. I think the fugitive is another good intro to that type of story. Um, so it's it's you know I can see why it's you know it's we're we're drawing lines be- between these things. Um, no, totally. I think that's cool, and I, I definitely think like the fugitive like that's that's Urasawa's shit, right? Yeah. Like he he I I have no doubt that that he really. Like I said, I mean, I guess if it's specifically named as an influence, we know for a fact he liked the, it. The show is, I don't know about the movie, um, and like I said, I haven't seen the show ever. I know it was wildly popular when it when it came out. Well, the movie, I looked it up, the movie released in Japan in 1993. Okay. So that timeline syncs up for the movie as well. Gotcha. Uh, and knowing Urasawa, like, that's a movie guy, I feel like, I feel like there's a good chance he saw it. Um, maybe internalize it. I don't know. Uh, but I think, you know, like there's no way for us to know for sure, but I think it's a fun thing to think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I think it's plausible at the very least. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, um, let's move on. Chapter 14. Three chapters left. Um, I think we can kind of slam bam through them. Yeah. Like a lot less happens. This one especially feels like a breath. Like we're taking a breather real quick. Yeah. 14, 14 is maybe kind of the least uh it is it is the chillest 15 there's some stuff to talk about 16 there's some stuff to talk about i have a lot of thoughts about 16 oh my god i can't wait okay but chapter 14 um is this me i think i think it's, it's you yeah yeah uh chapter 14 uh tenma and nina just try to recover a little bit in a convenient shack by the river uh, Nina recollects more of the night that it happened and makes Tenma feel much more guilty. Uh, Tenma goes into town to get some stuff, uh, hears, overhears some news things, finds out uh, the police are looking for him, also finds out that the cops who uh, tried to kidnap him and Nina are real cops, uh, which is a great moment. Uh, Lunga, Lunga shows up, my mm-hmm. man. I mean, Luca shows up, finds uh, Tenma's tie after five minutes, Um, and then Tenma gets a nice letter from Nina and eats some sandwiches. 
and uh and feels bad about himself yeah um i think the the one thing the thing that i think is most interesting in this chapter is yeah nina has her revelation she explains the whole situation um Mm -hmm. that these diplomats that they came over with weren't even their real parents which is kind of the implication from the start uh like at at the beginning of the story it's like oh this was a family so and it it, it's she has realized that um you know they've been floating from foster family to foster family and johan has been doing this the whole time he's been killing these foster parents so her realizing it is what causes her to that's why she shoots him that night um uh and tenma tries to comfort her and like you said she makes him feel more guilty he says something about you know there's nothing you can do you need to move on and i i do think it's interesting that in the in the letter that she leaves to him she says pretty much the same thing she says this wasn't your fault you were doing your job you need to move on well she just needed a good cry you know yeah yeah and he and he cries she cries so it's it's each of them trying to tell the other this is my responsibility i need to i need to take care of this yeah which is really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. Um, so the the other thing that I, I feel like is a real kind of boomer move a little bit is Tenma has a moment <laughs> where he realizes, um, oh, well, he can't tell the cops because, you know, he's kind of incriminated himself a little bit. So the only people that he can trust are journalists, the press. He has to tell the press. <laughs> this is some real, you know, oh, man. Uh, uh, Watergate, the story is going to bring it down. The truth will set us free. If we tell the people what happened, everything will work out. Um, but, uh, you know, he calls the press and says, hey, I have a witness who's going to be able to, you know, explain this whole thing, um, meaning to turn Nina over to them. And when he goes back, that he, you know, he realizes she's disappeared. So it, it, it doesn't work out. But, um, right. yeah, this is this is a good section. Um, it, it was I was super surprised by it um, reading it the first time. Just like, whoa, what happened? Uh, we're in a different kind of story now. But it really is just kind of like a like a, a quick reset while we um, figure out what happens next. Yeah, I mean, Urasawa, his control of pacing isn't always that good, especially... I mean, like, it's it's good a lot of the time, but he his pacing flags when it comes to exposition, because that is what exposition does. Um, but I think, uh, I think the pacing here is nice. I think that he knew what the audience needed um, after the last few chapters and really gave it to us in the form of this um very very calm you know still still stressful but it's like it's kind of got that you know it's that feeling when you've been when you've like pulled an all-nighter and like the sun is coming it's like 8 30 you make yourself breakfast you feel like fucking shit yeah um but you also feel a kind of peace and then you listen to um age of consent um and and the world falls into place for a moment, even though you feel like shit. Um, and that's kind of what this the the vibe of of this, because both of them feel like shit, but but they're here, you know. For for me in in college, it was um it was walking to the gas station across from the engineering building, you know, wearing my my uh, crappy green hoodie that I hadn't washed in weeks, um, yeah. listening to the new episode of the Giant Beast cast, um, and getting a, a sandwich and the worst coffee in the world, and then going to take a test that i hadn't studied enough for it's yeah it's it's the air is a little bit crisp you know the sun is coming up maybe it rained the night before so it's a it's a little cold and wet um yeah nailing it nailing it yeah so that's you know and i think that's a it's a good feeling it's a good feeling to have at this point in the story it's a crazy good feeling for the author to purposefully create Mm -hmm. um you know like it's not as easy as he makes it look no 
Like Urasawa, when he when he wins, and he wins most of the time, he makes it look easy. Um, again, magic tricks. There is some weird Tenma uh, Nina. She like undresses in front of him, and I was a little worried no, that doesn't. we were gonna. Yeah, she no, does. she doesn't. Yes, she no, does. She, no, he's looking away, bro. She goes in. Well, the he looks thing. away, but it's the it's the it's those panels in conjunction with each other. I was like, oh, I hope this doesn't go one way. And no, it she literally she she walks into the shed. He's outside by the fire, turned away. Mm-hmm. She's changing inside the shed, and then she speaks, still out of view, for the next few panels. Okay, I like. No, you're for the next I'm couple wrong. of pages. You're, right. you're wrong. You're wrong. Judge Judge Gavel. Um huh. Because you're right, that would be fucked up. That would be fucked up in gross. I was, I was really worried about that because there's a bit in the early chapters where, you know, her friends are joking, Oh, it's your your knight on a white steed that's coming to save you and when Tema shows up, she says, Are you my knight on the white steed? And I was like, He's uh-oh, not uh-oh, He's not. Uh-oh. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. That is not a thing. Is okay. never a thing. Absolutely not any kind of a thing. But yeah. Like I said, I really like the moment where he's like, They're real. They're real cops. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like like he's afraid, man. He's scared. Like and rightfully, yeah. There's something about their real cops that really makes my blood run cold. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's it's good. So okay. Um, do we wanna? Are we ready to move on to chapter fifteen? Uh, do you have thoughts about uh about Lunge in this chapter? Your thoughts about um, Lunge? I do think it's interesting that he always. It seems like he is always showing up in offices where he's not supposed to be, and people are like, "What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here." Oh, Inspector Lunge, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only other Lunge thought that I have is I the first time he's introduced, it's a novelty that he's talking about um, floppy disks and saving things into a computer, and then immediately yeah. the next chapter we've got Nina getting emails from a creep. So technology has 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 outpaced this man and his and his memory palace. No, oh, that's true. <laughs> that I hadn't even thought about that. I haven't even realized that his memory palace was outdated when it's it got started. Disc. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. Um. So I. I, like I just that. like when he finds the tie. He says Eureka. Uh huh. I think that's. I think that's great. It's good. But it's I also. I love moment. it when. I love it when Lunge does anything. Yeah. 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 Well, not when he does anything. Uh, I also like the sandwiches. Oh, the sandwiches look good. Nice little poppy seed buns. They look Onion good, buns. but I think I think what gets me, you know, is like t- Nina's like, it wasn't your fault. You were just doing your job. It wasn't your fault. Eat these sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And there is something about the, like, that's just an unspeakable kindness. Eat these sandwiches. Get some rest. Live your life. Save as many people as you can. Don't let this yeah. change the direction that you've taken. Yeah, you know, and he eats the sandwich and he and cries. He cries. And it's just like, he cries. You know, and maybe it's because like food is a big love language for me, but but just she made the sandwiches and she says in the letter, "Eat these sandwiches," and that moves me. That yep. moves me mm-hmm. big time. Um, and that's all I have to to say about this chapter. I think. What's up with the uh, chapter fifteen? I think this one's you. Yeah, um, Tema goes back to the hospital. Shockingly um and tries to forget yeah. the incident he gets back to work he says it's all finished um lunga visits ava uh who is now an alcoholic who's been married a bunch and has basically won every single divorce she's had so she's able to kind of <laughs> live her life of luxury um lunga asks her about the tie she refuses to connect the tie back to tenma because she knows she can use it as a bargaining chip 
Um, she goes to the hospital to meet with him and tries to pull the same things that she did earlier, where she basically asks to start over um, in, in, a, in a repeat of the sequence um, from after he becomes the hospital director. Um, and Tenma, again, you know, same response. He's, he just kind of ignores her, walks away. And this is when this is when she plays her card. She says, hey, that detective came and was asking about you, but I didn't make the connection. I didn't sell you out. Uh, you owe me this. You owe me a second chance or I will rat on you. And he refuses to budge. So she makes a big scene. Everyone kind of is uncomfortable. Um, and immediately she, immediately she goes to the cops and rats on him. Um, so Tenma knows that the wheels are in motion. He, he goes to the head of the hospital and resigns. Um, everyone's a little confused, but he, he knows he's, he's got to go on the run. Um, the cops descend on the hospital trying to get him, but all of Tenma's patients who love him block the way and say, we're not going to let you get Dr. Tenma. He escapes in an ambulance um, and then we cut to a couple months later where he's uh, on the run, on the road, uh, reading news about his, you know, the, the case. Um, and now Dr. Tenma has a gun and he knows what he has to do. Yeah. Yeah. A lot happening. A lot happening yeah. in this chapter. Kind of quietly and quickly is maybe the way that I would yes. that I would say that well things said. happen in this chapter. Well said. Hey, um, what's up with the fact that there's some pages of this that are colored? just happens sometimes with okay. uh you know like with manga you'll have um you know if it's like maybe an impactful chapter if it's a popular manga you know every once in a while uh the the editors will be like hey you want to throw up some colored pages in the next issue and the author will be like yeah sure uh, so this is just um one of those situations um i think uh i was wondering if we were going to talk about the colors i think the colors are good um but it's also kind of funny because um a manga that hues so realistic benefit significantly less from coloring yeah um you know it's it's like the colors are are nice but they they don't actually add anything that the regular line art doesn't have it feels like when ted turner colorized all those black and white movies and film people freaked out yeah a bit yeah you know and it's like i don't even it's not that manga isn't good in color because like the if you've if uh, any of you have ever read, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and then you've read the colored editions, whoop, whoop, you know, um, there's a, there's, I, not, one is definitely not, the line art is definitely better, but the colors do add something. I don't think the colors add much here. Um, I think it's really funny because the palettes he chooses are really muted, um, most of, like, most of what you're seeing is just the furniture in Ava's room, and it's all, like, the same shade of brown. So, I don't know. It's That funny. is a really funny panel. Um, it's a shot. funny, it's a funny choice. It's a funny set of choices for Urasawa to make when he's coloring something. Um, I'd love to ask what was up with that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there's the color... Here's my thing. Here's my thing. I don't know what Tenma means when he says it's over. I don't I, I'm I don't know what it means, but I think I'm going to disagree with you, and I think it means that he's saying his life as a doctor is over. I think that's oh, him making the decision that to he fuck knows off. he has to leave. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. Cause he's done the surgery and he knows that it's not the same. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that makes um yeah a bit more sense. Yeah, and then we get to hang out with Ava. I love Ava. She's such a piece of shit. 
She's the worst. <laughs> she <laughs> She's is. the worst. You want to talk about a character you love to hate, man. Mm-hmm. Ava. Mm, mm, mm. And she's she's doing it as it she's doing it as a bit, right? As yes! the thing, like yes! the, the whole her whole speech about oh every you know I'm bleeding them dry for alimony. I buy so many presents for men. I can't be expected to remember. Like she's doing it on purpose. Um, I think even the alcoholism is performative a little bit. I don't um, think so. Oh, you don't? <laughs> I don't. I think she is a very real alcoholic. <laughs> I mean, she says, as long as I have my booze, I'll be fine. Hee hee hee. Yeah. Hee <laughs> hee. Yeah. Um, I think Ava's really fun. I think she's a fun character to have around. And I think she is. You want to talk about a character that's complicated? I think she's complicated. I think she has a lot of moving parts. Like, like, like I said in last episode, she starts off two-dimensional. She gets to three here. I say she gets to three. What's the third dimension for you? Here. The third dimension is the fact that she actually does love Tenma. Okay. But that she's an abusive piece of shit. Like, like she she understands the situation instantly, despite being drunk, protects mm-hmm. Tenma out of care for him, but also because she knows it gives her that edge. You know, and then she goes to Tenma, and she tries to do it right the first time. She doesn't start and with then the blackmail. She doesn't start with the blackmail. And then when he won't do it, that's that's when she pulls it out because she's a fucking narcissist who who ultimately just wants what she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that these these various pieces moving in conjunction, her history, how she re- interacts with Lungay, the choices she makes, I think that they are I think that they're fucking human. I think she gets to three. I yeah I I also think it's interesting that the it seems like the only framed picture she has in her room is a picture of her and Tenma even though like you know she says there's she's other been framed married. pictures but it's the only one that's that the gets any, one. That's the any important focus one. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely yeah. she has um, it you know she's like staring at it <laughs> like she it's on the ground she's like flopped on the couch uh, and just like just just like her head is flopped down and she's just looking at it it's very sad. <laughs> Yeah, um, but um, almost comical too. Oh yeah, you, you know you love to see it. Um, Ava's really there's a lot of things about this manga that make me go, I want a live action version. I want live action Ava. Who plays live action Ava? Um, let's some let's German chick. Seconds. I don't know. Like no, because the point the point of doing live action the point of doing live action monster would be that it would be in the proper language and in the proper locations, like. Yeah. Oh wow, Matt's making a real face. Matt doesn't like this. Hi, I'm with you to a point. I think yes, film it in Germany. Yes, make it a period piece in the 80s and the 90s. You don't think that they should go for full verisimilitude? You think that's maybe missing the point? I don't know if you have them speak in German. Is the thing. Um, I'm I'm torn. I don't know. Uh, I guess I guess in terms of I guess just for the point of the of the discussion we should assume they're not speaking German so that we can uh, actually do like a, a fan cast. Um, interesting. Who's my fan cast for uh, for Ava? I'll have to think about that. I'm not I'm not super good at um, keeping a bunch of celebrities in my head. Allison Brie. No, that's not quite right, but maybe. Who I don't know. A- from Community Annie. What's her that's, name? Uh, Allison Brie. Uh, that's not quite right. Uh, I think I know who that is, and I think you're wrong. 
Yeah, it's that's not her. Yeah, um, no, that ain't it. Not it's Alicia not Vicar important. <laughs> it's I don't think this is important. It's not important, but it's interesting. It's, okay, it's, that's it's, fair. That's fair. Uh, um, oh, Debicki, Elizabeth Debicki, maybe. Uh, I think. No, I don't know if she can pull it off. She's too tall. Is is the thing with her? Oh, I could see it. I could see it. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, anyway Ava. yeah um so there's Ava there's Ava being a piece of shit um in just like really fun ways yeah I do think it is a very fun thing where we have the very emotional shot of her face and she says I realized it after my third marriage failed you're the only one who ever loved me <laughs> it's just something about the phrase after my third marriage failed <laughs> it's very very fun she's comedic like like that's like is she played for laughs only kind of because she's also she's also you know a very real person Mm -hmm. um and then she gets pissed off and she screams in the middle of the fucking hospital i'll tell them you killed my father you killed them all you know and everyone in the hospital is just like looking at him and there's that one doctor that's just like lady what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) The yes. guy with the glasses and the tie. Yeah, he no, is no, so, I knew exactly who you were talking he about. He is so at the end of his rope. He's just like, ugh. What the fuck? Yeah. Um and then and then she goes straight to Lunga. Um which is great. Uh and then Tenma resigns, and then the, the people all the, the all of his all of his patients, all of his patients get together. And they stop Lunga from following him. Um, how do you moment. feel about this moment? Yeah, that's. Uh, I well, thought maybe it was a little corny, but uh, um, I, it is a little corny. It's my favorite unnamed character moment of this of this segment. Oh, really? Um, specifically, oh, the guy, cool. the big guy in the middle with the broken arm, who's like, "I am ready to punch you, even with my broken arm." <laughs> yeah, uh, I think of these people. I like the lady on the far right. She's giving them the fucking. She's mean mugging these guys big time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I like it. Yeah, and then they all shout, go away, get lost, go home. Um, and Luke is just, like, looking at everyone like, what are you, why? Like, like, he's just, he's so indignant. And I, the more I, the more time I spend with Lunga, the more I'm like, ah, Matt's right. This is a Sherlock Holmes. Look at his face. Look at that face. He's gotta be. He looks like Sam the Eagle, also. He's... (laughs) 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 No, you're so right. It's the eyebrows. It's It's the eyebrows. Absolutely. Oh, that's so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, also this chapter ends with Grizzled Tenma, um, looking as hot as he has ever looked. Yeah, Just in a jacket with some grizzle, determined, you know, in shadow a little bit, pulling a gun out of his, out of his coat. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Do I have any other notes on this chapter? Uh, no, we talked about Ava, and Ava's the interesting part. Let's move on then to chapter 16. Is this one you or is this one me? This one's me. Okay. Chapter 16 is a short story Mm -hmm. that Urasawa probably already had written and then realized he could put Tenma in it. Uh, It is a... It is a short story that has... That is framed. It has a framing device... It's a flashback, you know, um, of 
Tenma, you know, so, so the last chapter, there was a five month skip. So this is the story of the five months. And we find out that Tenma was hanging out with this like weird veteran mercenary dude learning to shoot a gun. Um, and the veteran mercenary dude's adopted daughter, adopted daughter by way of murder. And they hang out together. Tenma learns to shoot. And he also teaches this odd pairing how to be good to each other in a kind of roundabout way. He helps them connect. And um, and the dude does not tell Lunga shit. Well, he actually tells him a lot, but he doesn't tell him anything important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the That's the gist of it. Yeah, I'm conflicted on this one. Um, the first note that I have is, this feels the most like an episode of an anime. Um, and it's probably one of the ones that people who love this anime point to and are like, dude, the episode where he learns to shoot a gun. Oh my word, that one's so good. Um, and I I don't disagree. I think there's good stuff here. I do think... Um, I, someone else said this recently, and I'm just going to repeat it. I think it tries to trick you into thinking that subtlety is depth. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a lot going on here, but I, I do think it's good. Um, like it is, it is kind of, I don't know. I think part of it is tied up so much in how I feel about this mercenary, um, who I think we're clearly yeah. supposed to like. I think we're supposed to like him, but I think th- it's supposed to be complicated. The thing it revolves around is, um, I mean, I, I'll just, I'll just read the segment because I, I think it's, it's, you know, they're sitting at dinner and Tenma asks um, about the girl. Is she your daughter or your granddaughter? And the mercenary says, "Nope. I shot and killed her mother right in front of her. I ran into a shack in the jungle in Myanmar, and they were there. Her mother was pointing a gun straight at me. If I'd waited another moment, I would have been dead. So I brought the child back with me." The whole time she's been with me, she's never once smiled. She'll probably hate me till the day she dies. That's what happens when you pack a gun. If you don't like the sound of that, stay away from guns. And I I think there's something interesting there, right? Where it's like, this is the reality of what carrying a weapon with the intent to end a life leads to. Um, And I don't know. I don't like that 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 they get this resolution. I don't think he deserves it. Um, but then I don't know who am I to say that he doesn't deserve this. He tried to do the right thing, I think, um, in not leaving this girl to die. But is that the right thing? I think, sorry, I'm just trying to figure out like, what's the, what's the productive angle to take on this? It's Um, through the bird because the, the, the other way that Tenma and the girl bond is they both are, they hang out in the woods. They, he talks to her about birds and there's a scene where she finds a baby bird and, uh, wants to bring it back. And he, he basically tells her like, no, we have to put this bird back in the nest. Like, I know you want to help this bird, but it's, it's so hard to raise a bird by hand away from its mother. And that is, that's what's happening here, right? Like, this guy tried to do the right thing, but he's trying to raise a bird on his own away from its mother. As right? a mercenary whose job is training people to f- shoot fucking guns for presumably illegal purposes. Yeah, he thinks he's no doing the right thing. No one's idea of dad of the year. No. You no. know, like... Um, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's he's just a little girl in the woods who doesn't understand what he's doing. Um, and... Yeah. He has 
I think hurt her more than he could. I mean, like obviously he killed his, he killed her mom in front of her, and she knows how to use chopsticks, so she was old enough to know what was going on. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's I I feel very complicated about this, but um, I don't know. I I've talked for a while about this, and I think I've been kind of negative on it, um, which sure. maybe is not fair because I I do think this is a good um, it's a good little chapter. I think it's complicated, and I think I think um, it's good that you're down on it because I am up on it. Um, I I really like it a lot. Um, a I like it a lot formally. Mm-hmm. Um, formally, this um, this chapter really speaks to me. Uh, I love the idea of a of this chapter that is just a, a it's a it's a fucking again it's a short story just packed into one chapter that fits almost seamlessly into the story that's already being told, but really stands on its own as a, as an interesting story with a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, and it might be a little bit rushed, but I think it's still a really, really uh, cool thing that, that Urasawa did here. And this is also an Urasawa thing. This is that Urasawa thing again, right? Where they drop us into a story with characters we're not familiar with. Right. And then how he tells us the whole thing, you know, like, like how does it relate? Um, and he likes, you know, he loves to do this. And this, I think, is a really strong uh, example of it. And it really stands out, you know, um, again, like... As a person, my reading comprehension, my memory, uh, I can remember broad strokes. I remember how something feels, but memories of individual events or plot points really fade after a certain point uh, because I'm just cramming my head with so much media all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, This chapter, to me, has always been crystal clear. Hmm. Absolutely crystal clear. It's it's something that's really stuck in my brain. Uh, And and I think that means something. Um, I, I think that that says something about the uh, self-contained nature of this chapter and the strength of the narrative within it. Uh, even if it is yeah. simple, because, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disagree that it's, it's kind of on a surface level. I think it is. I think it is a surface level because and I don't think to that's properly... bad. I mean, a lot of things, no, yeah. a lot of the things that I like are, you know, very surface level melodramas. I mean, I, I love romantic comedies. I love reading books about sad teenagers. A lot of the stuff that I like doesn't have a lot of depth. And I and I, I don't think when I say that I think it's surface level, I don't, that doesn't mean that I think it's bad. I think the fact that we disagree about yeah. this maybe says that, hey, this is the best chapter of the ones that we've read today, right? That we're able to have, it's have the one this that discussion. It's, you know, like, I think maybe the reason that that's the case is, like I was saying before, is that it's self-contained, right? Mm-hmm. Because... It's harder for us to have a disagreement over something that is a collection plot of plot happens. points for a yeah. larger story, you know, but this is an entire story beginning to end that we can have complete opinions on, uh, which, yeah, is is just crazy. It's crazy to me that it's here. Um, and, yeah. you know, like, do I think the ending is earned? I think it falls just shy of being earned. Um, I, I think that it would need another three pages, somewhere between three and five pages of just a little bit more, just a little bit more to show how the two of them actually managed to finish connecting. Cause we see, we, we see like her laugh in front of him for the first time when he fails to use chopsticks again. And he's like, you're laughing, you know, and that's obviously this huge moment. Um, so we see like, this is the moment where they can begin to connect. And then months and months and months pass. Um, 
and they connect with each and so they connect with each other off screen the meat of their connection of where they mend to whatever extent they can you know um uh their connection is humans all of that happens off screen and i think that's you know that's something that we can't speak to is it good is it bad it doesn't exist um and, and that's why the... me on it on this page yeah just like as i stare at it as you talk about it i, I yeah i think i I think I've flipped on it where maybe this is earned to the extent, like you said, to the extent where they can connect. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can assume it's earned. I'm comfortable assuming it's earned. The truth is, is that it's somewhere in the middle. Um, and I think anyone who, who is down on it because they feel it's not earned. I think I, I'm not going to argue with them on that. I think that's a pretty valid reaction to have. Yeah. Um, to this, to this little story. But I'll tell you this, you know, it gives me the warm fuzzies. And it's if good. you want, if you want to get into, if you want to get into like the um, epistemological weeds on it, if you really wanted to play lawyer, he killed a lady in self-defense. He probably wasn't planning on walking into that village and killing someone's mom that day, you know. And so, like, what do you do? You fucked up. This woman, th- this child's mother is dead. What do you fucking do? And and this guy decided to do his best and, like, is well, is he I'm gonna an read honorable the, I'm gonna read the man? Note. No, I'm gonna read the note but... that I, the last note I yeah. read about this is: is this a parallel to Tenma, a man just doing what he had to do, operating Ooh. automatically, and then not being sure how to live with the guilt and the consequences Ooh. of the people who are left alive? Whoa! Um, Whoa! I, I think so. Right? Is is what Tenma did unintentionally monstrous? I I mean, maybe is what this man did intentionally monstrous? maybe i don't know but i it's i i do think we yeah it's it's very clearly i think there's parallels between i think in him saying he was just doing what he had to do it was just picking up a gun this is what you do in the same way that when you take the hippocratic oath and become a doctor that's what you do and sometimes there's consequences yeah no matt that's such a good i i mean i can't believe that i've never had that thought before because that's like just not the kind of thought that i often have um about stuff but that's a really really good thematic connection there and i think goes a long way towards explaining why this story doesn't feel out of place yeah because boy howdy could it could it ever uh, feel out of place because it's it's really like if this was a novel you know this this also feels a bit like a king thing yeah totally there's weird digressions where we meet these different characters. We get their whole backstory and their history. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but it, it very much is. Yeah, but because it is thematically connected to stuff that's important to the main character, stuff that's important to the questions the, the story as a whole is asking, um, it, it feels it feels natural. Uh, and it also, it also is a good character study of Tenma. We see Tenma in a couple of modes we haven't really seen him in. Strangely, this seems to be the most fun he's had since we've met him. Um, it's just hanging out in the Running woods, in the learning woods, to shoot cooking, a gun. Making chopsticks, um, shooting. Yeah, you know. Uh, I don't think we see him this happy again. <laughs> like, oh, maybe. Buddy. Maybe ever. He just has a bad time. Um... But, uh, yeah, I think it's a great chapter. I think it's a really cool chapter to end the volume on. It's not, it isn't a, like, it's, it's not really a cliffhanger, but it is, it is an emotional button. Yeah. Yeah. Decompression. That's a good way of putting it. It's just like you finish it and you're, you're satisfied with the chunk of story that you just read Mm -hmm. and, um, you're excited for what comes next, but you're not like anxious. It doesn't leave you. It doesn't leave you with bad vibes. No, 
it's it's good vibes it's the best vibes there's some real good uh stare downs between the mercenary and and, and lunga um some good yeah. panels of them facing each other it's um it's it's good um hey i i this is not one that we wanted to fan cast but i had this thought while we were watching it um uh-huh. the mercenary is uh mike from breaking bad it's that guy this old man this guy oh sure no that's that's fair that's fair uh yeah okay do we have um oh i guess we have uh, character moments yeah so i i already kind of i already revealed my minor character moment but um yeah. for anyone who doesn't remember the the, the kind of closing segment that we do is our favorite tenma moment our favorite named character moment and our favorite um like minor or unnamed character moment um so do you want to start or should i with the with the tenma moment um go for it because i forgot to pick one yeah um, so i'm gonna be flipping through these well, mine might have changed now because of the the way that you that we talked about this scene. But my favorite time of moment is when he realizes he goofed up um, and decides he just decides he's going to go back to being a doctor because that just feels so weird in a story like this that we get the scene of him back at the hospital and not just the story moving forward. Um, yeah, and I think it's a true. good character moment. It is a weird feeling. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a person who's just like been through something horrible and doesn't know like what else to do so they just go back to what they're familiar with Mm -hmm. um that's a cool that's a cool choice that's a cool pick um i think my (laughs) i do think my favorite tenma moment is is the one i mentioned uh, before where he has that little smirk talking to Mm maurer about his wife um, and just kind of like this sequence where he's like, well, you seem to regret neglecting your family for your job. And it's, it is funny that he's like, he's being a little, he's being a little reserved about the advice he's giving to Maurer, right? He's like, well, you seem to regret, like he's hedging his bets. And then later, you know, and then he says, sorry, it's none of my business. And then he says, one more thing, you smoke too much as a doctor, I must advise you to cut back. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's really, he's such a reserved person, but but despite that, he's still trying to help. Um, and I just think it's a, it's an interesting thing because we see how, you know, we see how he's connecting with Maurer. Um, and I like that. Named character moment, which, uh, yeah, I mean, there's some good picks. There's some really good picks in this reading. Yeah, I went with Maurer. Um, I know I said it was like a, I, I went with the moment where he promises to quit smoking, where he signs his, his death warrant, like we said, right? Like, I, it's, it's, like you said, it's so telegraphed. It's so just like, this dude's dead. This guy, this guy's got it coming, but I think it works. I think it's good. I'm a sucker for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. It's, um, it's, it's that fucking, it's that when fucking it works, it works. Yeah. It, when it works, it works. Yeah. When it works, it works. Um, a named, a named character moment. You know, I do like, I really do, uh, think it's cool when, when Nina does the Aikido. Yeah, it's good. I was torn between picking Maurer and a, and a Nina moment, like a chapter, a first chapter Nina moment. Yeah, the first chapter Nina moments are also true, but I'm just like thinking like, who is, oh, actually, no, it's, it, mm, Maybe Nita doing Aikido is like a little, a little uninteresting uh, to a degree. I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool for the for the purposes of like 
you know, again, it shows you what Urasawa thinks of his female characters. You know, and also, like, he's done manga about, like, a woman judo star, right? Yeah. Like, and that was popular. So, like, he's familiar with writing women properly in ways that women like. And uh, comes across... That comes across... Yeah. Uh, maybe my... Maybe my favorite Nina moment is the letter she writes. I think that's a good pick. It's it's good. I think you're right. That's that's yeah. that's the best Nina moment. Yeah. Um okay, and your my unnamed character moment was the mob of sick patients blocking yeah. the cops. Do you have a, um, a runner up to uh to have some to have an extra little thing to talk about? You can uh, double up. Hey. Let me let me let me scan real quickly through here just to see um no, I mean, because I think the thing that I can talk about was last time I said my favorite Tenma moment was that was the way his bedside manner, the way he was a doctor, right? You know, all the shots we get of him sitting in the grass um, next to patients in wheelchairs, telling them that they're going to get better, that they're going to be able to go back to their families. And I think this feels like, you know, not that everything needs a payoff, you know, not that everything needs to be set up payoff, but this feels like a good natural payoff to the stuff that I like about Tenma. Um, that's a great, that's a great point. So, yeah, that's that's it for me this time. How about yeah, you? Yeah, that is a, a payoff to that. Um, I think this is uh, just kind of a fun one. I think it's kind of funny. Uh, let me see. Where? I think it's, where, kind, of I think it's where, kind of sad. The dreams <laughs> are dying. It's the best yeah. time ever. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Mad world. Um, okay, so, kind of earlier, Nina Nina talks to Peter, the... The apparently not creepy dude who just asks her out constantly. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess he takes no fairly well. Like it seems I, well, like maybe it. not because he keeps doing it, but he like he's not a creep about it. He just keeps trying. It's almost which, like a running bit that they have where yeah, it's like it's like a it's a very rom com sort of thing. Yeah, the kind of thing yeah, yeah. that wasn't creepy in the nineties, I guess. Yeah. Um anyway, but she she talks to him. Um, and she's like, I didn't know you were such a poet. And then he's like, he's chowing, he's snarfing some food. He's like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I couldn't write that kind of schlock if you hung me upside down. It's really good. Um, and then she's like, then who was it? And he goes, don't ask me, just what I need, another rival. You know, and it's like, it's, what a guy is this guy? Like, he doesn't take credit. He's just like, you gotta be kidding me. I just also think it's a really poor reflection on Nina. Like, I mean, you said, hey, Nina might be stupid. I think this is also yeah. just, like, she has yeah. really bad taste in men. It's, like, the other thing that, like, she thinks this is cute, right? And he's just like, yeah. no, this sucks, actually. This is bad. <laughs> like, even Peter knows it's bad. Yeah. Um, and, and he does, he's like, I think it's funny. I guess the funny thing about it to me is that this is a character admitting his flaws oh yeah there's a version you know, like, of this where he's just such an unlikable guy that you want to punch in the face right yeah, but just like but, you're but just like oh he's, peter he's not he's just a guy <laughs> he's just a guy uh he's not trying to lie he's not trying to do anything shady with nina he's in he's in in earnest if kind of dopey dude mm-hmm. um and uh and he couldn't write that kind of schlock if you hung him upside down you hung him upside down i think it's such a funny <laughs> thing to say yeah i wonder having repeated it a few times now i'm wondering like what the uh what the original japanese 
translates to because obviously it's idiomatic it's got to be hey well this um, is a good time for me to plug the patreon yeah. um it's at uh, patreon.com slash urasawa boys and i bring it up because one of our stretch goals is if you pay us enough money quinn's gonna learn japanese um <laughs> <laughs> yep yep <laughs> and um i can't remember what i promised i was gonna do was it watch the anime that's like that's fine i'll do that anyways um i don't no, we remember. gotta we gotta watch the anime i don't know if we had something specific for you that i had promised uh, i was gonna yeah do. but yeah. our patreon goals you know we've got a few of them uh me learning japanese we're watching the anime and uh further down the line um it's going to be you know if you guys if you guys are around if this show is a thing if it happens um, we're going to be using the proceeds from Patreon to be, uh, commissioning translations of Urasawa's earlier works, which, like, if you've been wondering, if you've been over there wondering, well, if these why guys are such big fans, yeah, of, of King Things, why did, why aren't we doing this in chronological order? Um, the King Things guys talk a lot about how it's such a great method, and I'm like, yeah, that is a great method, I'd love to do that method, unfortunately, uh, we can't do that! Um, because a lot of that shit just is not, uh, properly available to us. And we want it to be available not just to us, but to everyone. everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if you give us some Patreon dollars that gets us ever closer to, uh, commissioning this stuff and getting it into, uh, the hands and onto the screens of Western readers for more or less the first time, these very cool works by this very cool guy. We really want to read Pineapple Army. Um, and Dude, I, I really oh want to be God, able to, to have email so correspondence bad. with someone who has a screen name that I, I don't understand the reference to and can just be like, <laughs> hey, bud, what's your Venmo? Just please give me some Pineapple Army pages. Um, yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also, if you if you know anybody, if you happen to be in contact with anybody who knows that, I, I guess just shoot us a... Shoot yeah, us DM a, us. Email us. Yeah, uh, we're, we're at Twitter, at Urasawa Boys. Uh, the Patreon, again, is patreon.com slash Urasawa Boys. Email us, um, Boys at Gmail. Uh-huh. Uh, we've really... It, we've got the full... We've got the full house over here. we got the clean sweep. We got everything. We're, we're good to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so those are the, those are the socials. Um... I, th- I think that's it for this oh, time. Oh, and of course, uh, maintaining balance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. one of the Patreon. If you, if you join the Patreon rewards, yep, you'll get to listen to maintaining balance, where yeah. uh, Matt fans can get their fix. Yeah, we had. I I went. I um I talked about uh the uh, fantasy show. Uh, uh, I guess. Well, this would be the Silver Age that we're in right now, because we the go if we had the Golden Age with Game of Thrones, um then. We're in that era. Is it era time for a new age already? Maybe I, I feel don't like know. it's a little too short for for a new age. I think maybe I don't know. Well, we'll we'll save that for the next maintaining balance. I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna because I'm gonna keep watching the Elf shows. So yeah. you can you can pay pay us some some money and, <laughs> and hear us talk about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I so that that's the end of this episode. Next episode, we will be reading. Is it the next? Is it the first nine chapters of, uh, or the first eight, eight chapters of the of the next um, of Perfect Monster edition. Perfect yes. Edition Volume Two? Volume Two. Yes. Yeah. So, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and uh, until next time, thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being a friend. <laughs> <laughs>